Knockback is brought to you by thousands of supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. If you want to show your support for Knockback, as well as CLS's PlayStation podcast, Sacred Symbols, the eclectic interview series, Fireside Chats, and the YouTube gaming series, SideQuest, please consider going to Patreon and pledging for a monthly amount that makes the most sense for you. Your Patreon support doesn't only ensure that CLS continues to produce the content you love, like Knockback, but you can get cool perks, too, depending on your level of support. You can get early access to each episode of Fireside Chats, Sacred Symbols, and Knockback, totally ad-free. You can vote for show topics and provide feedback to be read on air. You can listen to exclusive podcasts only available to patrons, and much more. Your support is essential if Colin's Last Stand is to continue well into the future, so please consider showing some love. Again, that's patreon.com slash Stand. Thank you for your kindness, generosity, and support. Without you, CLS wouldn't exist. But enough of that. On to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined, as always, by Pet Cemetery's caregiver, Dagan Moriarty. Roof, roof. Meow. Oh, all right. <laughs> it's a little underwhelming, but nonetheless. Dagan, thank you for joining me today. It's good to be We're here, here in Philly. Friend. It's fucking freezing out. It's so cold out there. It really is. The weather outside is mm-hmm. right. <laughs> and the fire is so <laughs> don't even like enunciate or say the last words that's the way to do it as long as you love me so, let it snow let it snow, snow nice i like it you got that lounge singer style my friend thank you i'm very i'm Sounds a very good. talented singer now digging today's topic is one that you chose, and I'm excited about it. It's about childhood pets. And we have a lot of interaction here from the fans that oh, sent good. us in some good questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas. Remember, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand if you want week early access to every episode ad-free. Financially support the show. It allows us to continue to do this. We think it's really important that we get together to do these episodes in person, and we will continue to do so with your support. As long as you support us, we will continue going. If you listen on free feeds, please do consider leaving us nice reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Share it with your friends and family. Help us find new audiences. We really do appreciate that. Now, Dagan, before we get into the childhood pets, we, of course, start each and every episode of this wave of knockback with Mm -hmm. truth or dare. But truth, what do you have for me today? Let's do it, my friend. Okay, what do today let me look at this range of questions for you let's see what i'm in the mood to ask you to use them yeah let me peruse let me see kyle okay oh i have a good one i have a good one for you now this is a being a kid so the the rule was really with this or really what i was thinking with this initially was any your experiences before the age of 14 years old but could be any time really okay and Have you ever been treated unfairly by a boss? Yes. And let me hear about that experience. Now, this is only as a kid or as an adult? Yeah, initially I was thinking about this as a kid, but you know what? If it could could span to adulthood, why not? Why not branch out? Of course I've been as an adult mistreated by bosses, but no, I'll keep it within the realm of childhood. I my first job or no, it was actually my second job, but my my first big job that I had for a couple of years, I worked at a deli and a few days before 9-11, I broke my collarbone and I couldn't work for a couple of months, a few months. And I remember that the, they kept just trying to this woman that owned it kept trying to rush me back and eventually kind of gave me this ultimatum. Like, are you coming back or aren't you coming back? Like, we need help or whatever. And I was ah. like, I'm kind of like still hurt. So, you know, I had like five hundred dollars saved at that time, which was like all the money in the world to me. And I'm like, I'm good. And I just uh, I quit that job. So I don't want to blow up who that person was or what that deli was. Oh, come on. But uh <laughs> 
But nonetheless, yeah, I was, you know, I, I've had really nice bosses, though, as well. But yeah, I've, I've had a few run ins as a, as a youth. I was a hard worker and stuff like that. So it always really bothered me. Yeah, you have a good work ethic. Yeah, so how about you? In my younger days? Hmm. That's a good question. I wasn't thinking about to turn this around on myself. Let me think about that for a second. Not really. I don't, I don't think that I really had just those same things about, you know, the only thing I would say is like maybe even working in the supermarket when I was in high school and stuff like that. I think there was like an expectation that didn't seem to be a lot of empathy from adult bosses that I had. It was like, you know, that same thing that you're kind of talking about, a very similar thing where it's like, well, we need you. And, you know, it didn't seem to be like any acknowledgement that we understand you're a kid and you don't really want to come to work. I mean, also, they have a job to do and they have a schedule to fill out. So, right. But I remember there being a real lack of like any kind of empathy of being a kid. It was like very businesslike. It was like, this is when you're on the schedule. This is when you're expected to be here. I had a pretty, I had a pretty tough boss named Frank in the supermarket I worked in growing up. And he was like, he was just all business. You know, you would do anything to earn this man's affection. You know, you'd work so hard just to earn this man's affection. He was like really a kind of a cantankerous dude. Did you ever earn his affection? I think so. I think he appreciated my work ethic. But, you know, it was that type of thing where I do. And, I, you know, I admit, you know, I cop to I cop to this like. You know, I did all those typical things of like calling out 10 minutes before my shift because I wanted to skateboard all night or something. You know, I did. I definitely did things like that. I was never fired or anything like that. I don't know if I did it too often, but I do remember that of like being like, you know, never any acknowledgement of like for my plight. Right. <laughs> you know, for for right or for wrong. You, you worked know. in the produce section of Wallbounds. I did indeed. Which doesn't exist anymore. No. As far as I know. No. Part of A&P. So whatever that sort of became. You know, the produce section is a tough, tough place to work, I think. Right. You know, what? it's a lot of work because you're constantly restocking. You got to There's a lot of there's actually a b- unbelievable. I don't know how many people out there worked in supermarkets, but there's more interaction with people than you would think. Not that there's not a lot of people in supermarkets. We all know that. But people tend to ask for help of the people in the produce department the most. And I think the produce department, besides the deli and the bakery and all that, where people have to help you, I think we're on the floor the most. Because there's always something to restock. So people, and and people probably have the most questions about produce, you know, about fresh fruits and vegetables. People know the least or want to know, like, you know, it's amazing how many people want to know, like, where the apples came from. And this is in the 90s. You know what I mean? This is, like, not even now with organic and, you know, locally grown and all those kind of things, you know. Locally sourced, as locally they might sourced. say. Locally sourced. You know, this the people want to know where the apples came from and, you know, where the onions came from and what was in season and how'd you know if something was ripe. And so, I, you, you know, you learn a lot. You'd be like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's a fair amount of bullshitting as well. Oh, but, I'm sure, yeah. You know, so, yeah, that's really all I could think of. All right. Fair yeah. I remember you working at that supermarket. I did indeed. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that very well. Now, childhood pets. I'm going to let you take this one away because... We both have experiences. We have crossover experience, obviously, with a lot of these animals. But I'm curious what your initial memory is of your first childhood pet. And we had some interesting pets over time that I'm excited to talk about that are not cats or dogs, but something entirely different. And I hope we get to them as well. But what came to mind for you first when you chose this topic? I mean, what was it? Because mom and dad, well, not so much mom, but dad was pretty against having pets which is ironic as an adult he has a dog with his girlfriend you know he does the dog kind of married into that relationship sure 
But we were talking about him it. when he was here yesterday. We, we had dinner with him or whatever. Not dinner. We were just sitting around and he was saying, or we were saying, you know, I'm like, do you want another dog? And you're saying, like, yeah, I kind of do want another dog. So I'm like, well, times have changed. Haven't they, they certainly have. Yeah. Well, that was a thing. Well, really what made me think of this episode is something that, you know, hopefully something sharing our opinions, you know, and asking you about your experiences and your stories and your also your opinions when it comes to pets and doing a little fun, you know, having a little veering off in a fun direction, I think a little later in the show, that'll be a surprise for you, I hope. But also just an episode that, you know, centering around a topic that I think a lot of people not, you know, everybody or close to everybody can relate to in one way or another, because pets are such a big part of our lives. And it's such a big part of our often of our childhoods and not just for us. Yes, it was mom and dad were very we never had a family dog. We never even had a cat growing up until we were much older. So but just, you know, I do have a lot of funny stories about pets and have a funny a lot of funny reflections about neighbors and friends, pets as well. And some of the more exotic pets I had, you know, as I got older and just some funny stories centering around animals and pets that I thought would be a lot of fun to, you know, talk about. And again, like you said, our crossover stuff with it as well. And just something that I was hoping people would write in a lot about too. Yeah, they did. share their thoughts and reflections on it as well. Yeah, they certainly did. They certainly so did. Be a lot, that'll be a lot of fun. All right. So it's worth noting that I think mom in Albertson on Long Island in the 50s grew up with a dog. They had a dog, right? J- Jimbo? Yeah. I was going to start with this. That's so funny that you thought about it. All right. That. So start there. Let's start there. So that was my first. Jimbo was my first sort of linked into the pets because we never had really had, again, we never had one growing up. So when I was very little, I believe Jimbo was around when I was born as well in 1973. Grandma and grandpa had a little pet dog, a poodle, a gray poodle named Jimbo. And the funny thing about Jimbo was I think Jimbo passed away by the time I was maybe eight years old. Okay, so not the fifties, sixties then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think Jimbo passed away sometime by the time I, by the time I was eight, Jimbo was gone. But I do have a lot of memories of Jimbo. And the funniest thing I remember about Jimbo was he was a little poodle. Supposedly, when you ask, you know, our our mom and our aunts, Aunt Joni and Aunt Carla, about Jimbo, he was a little bit. He wasn't the best with kids. He was a little bit. He was a little bit uh, of a like an old codger. Jimbo, but I remember him. I remember playing with him under the table and stuff. But the, the biggest thing, the funniest thing I remember about Jimbo was going to grandma and grandpa's house. And, you know, I guess every other time or every other Sunday or so or every month when we would go to visit, it seemed like he got he they gave him that circus cut that, you know, the circus poodle. So right. he had the poofs of fur on top of the head and around each, you know, around each leg. There was like the they would shave it almost to the almost to the skin leave it very short except for that poof of fur around the elbows around the around the wrist joints whatever around the tail so i always remember going and seeing jimbo with that circus cut which was always so funny to us as kids because it looked like a cartoon you know it was always so sweet now supposedly jimbo bit me once i don't remember that story but i remember him being around and that was the first dog i was ever around because no one else we really knew had dogs we'll get into some a little later on our old block with our old neighbors, but Jimbo was the first one, the first dog I remember for me. And I wanted to turn that around on you, Colin, ask you what the first dog, because you you were, you know, Jimbo was gone by the time you were mm. born. He was but, but a memory. He was but a memory. He was dust in the wind, mm-hmm. as we say. Ashes to ashes. <laughs> ashes to ashes. Dust in the wind. <laughs> what was the first dog you remember? Probably our neighbor's dogs. You know, they had Pee-wee. Pee-wee. 
I forgot about Pee Wee. Pee Wee was like a black and gray. I don't know what kind of dog he Some was. Some kind of mutt. mutt. He was really sweet and he was our my best friend growing up. That that was their first dog. They ended up having three dogs. They had Chowder later on and then they also had Muffin. But Pee Wee was my first. I remember Muffin. Pee Wee was my Muffin. They like found in Puerto Rico and brought him home. I think I think that's the whole story Is about that. that. Right. Yeah. And Chowder wow. they found back down by the Chowder house. That's why they named him Chowder. And Pee Wee, I don't know where they got Pee Wee from. And they're still very involved as a family, actually, in Animal Rescue, which is pretty cool. But they are. Because I, I, yeah, I follow I just, them on Facebook and just saw them recently. And they were talking. They were literally on their way to like a shelter or something. Yeah, it's a really great time. Great or great way rather to volunteer your time and whatnot. And so that's probably my first introduction to them or to dogs. Like uh, growing up, I don't know that I had much access otherwise to, to dogs like my close friends otherwise didn't really have pets or maybe someone had a cat or something. But right. And I was always wary of dog, not Pee Wee and not Chowder, not Muffin. Like I grew up around them. We used to walk them. They were really sweet. They were totally harmless. But Muffin maybe was a little crazier. I think Muffin was some sort of Chihuahua mix or something. I don't know. But they were totally normal, just laid back dogs. They would just hang out. And that was kind of I never really was attracted to dogs. Like I never really wanted one. And I used to even shit talk them until very recently, until like four or five years ago. Yeah, really... you were never a big dog guy. So you didn't grow up with that same longing for a dog. Like, No, I liked cats, you know, and we by the time I was what, five we or four, we had I mean, we had cats, you know, when I was young. Yeah. So that was kind of how I grew up. And it wasn't really until Lola came into my life in 2015 that I really fell in love with dog. It totally changed my life. I mean, I, I've said it before and I'm not even being trying to be ironic or trying to be flipping about it. She really did change like my whole outlook on dogs and my whole outlook on I love Boston Terriers like I'm in love with that breed like I'll have them for the rest of my life like straight up guaranteed I'll have a Boston Terrier or two for with me forever and even the way you walk down the street and I used to just walk past dogs not give a shit about dogs you know I lived with a dog with Greg for a long time I didn't like Greg's dog you know (laughs) I lived with a dog in college I didn't like that dog. You know, so it was like it was a weird thing. And now I pay attention to them and dog owners have like their own little, you know, way, you know, and it's funny when you walk by and people pay attention. to First of all, Lola's like a chick magnet. I always make fun of, you know, I always make fun of Aaron with that. <laughs> I'm like, I can pick up any woman with this because they don't care about me. They love Lola. You know, they love her. I bring her Do all over the really? place. with Oh, they my God, dude, that's they fun. love that's really funny. Lola. Guys love, them. you know, if I were a gay man, I'd be able to pick up men, too, because guys love Lola as well. But. It's very recent in my life, in my 30s, that I've even come around to dogs. And now and we were saying it a couple of days ago, I think I've totally I totally think dogs are better than cats now, which is unthinkable from the first 30 years of my life for me to even make that remark. Yeah, you were very much a cat person before that. Yeah, dog people have a common thing. I don't know if I would. I don't. It's funny. I don't really know if I would still consider myself a dog person. We have a dog. I think she's wonderful. I love her. And it's a lot of fun having a dog. But it's really kind of the first dog I ever had you know, for a long period of time. So, and I'm 45 years old. So, I mean, I'm 29 years old. Man, so. your, your age is changing constantly. Well, that's we are Benjamin near, Button. We are near the event horizon because the time is dilated for sure over here <laughs> in the Moriarty household. But yeah, so you had Jimbo. Yeah, that was my first, that was the first dog I was ever around. It's weird because I don't even think I knew that he was alive in the 70s. I had always assumed oh, yeah. that he was alive, like he was in the 50s and 60s, but it was oh, the you 60s never knew, and 70s. You no. never knew we, Dana and I were, and even Allie were around him? No. Oh, I never knew that. I thought Well, you if knew, Allie was around him, then he lived into the, almost to 1980? No, well, he, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you know what? Jimbo was around, I have memories of Jimbo. Jimbo, there was no way Jimbo passed away before I was seven. I don't, I really don't think so. I remember him being around. Do you remember why grandma and grandpa didn't replace him? It's almost unthinkable to me that they had a pet in that house. for some No, 
that's a really good question why they didn't get another dog and did they have a dog previously to jimbo that's mm. a mystery as well well that would have been mom's gr dog growing up yeah presumably. and i never heard about that mm -hmm. so i guess not when we talk about the moriarty's and you know our family is so rich in history and we're so close and we love to talk about our family our heritage and growing up and you know my, our mom originally from Brooklyn, our father's from Long Island, but our mom was originally from Brooklyn and their family moved out in the late 40s, early 50s to Long Island. But my mother lived, you know, she was the first born of three daughters. Ten years later, you know, our twin aunts were born. But my mom grew up in a household with her parents, her mom and dad, our grandma and grandpa. But she also grew up in the house with her great with her grandparents, which are our great grandparents. So she lived with all four it was Granny and Gramps, and then Grandma and Grandpa, and then Mom, and then later on the you know I think Aunt Joni and Aunt Carla were born in sixty, right? Yeah, nineteen sixty, I believe. So or sixty one, I th or, I think it was sixty. So that you know, so I don't, and I think Jimbo was their only pet, and that they never had a cat, as far as I know. So Jimbo was really the one. Now we, you know, I have to preface this by saying also. Mom and dad are getting thrown under the bus on this episode. We're not going to disappoint. Oh, no, absolutely. They have to. There's no doubt, especially dad. Now, it's often for stuff that they did growing up. This is for something that they didn't do because mm. they refused to get us a dog. Mm. And we always wanted one. We begged endlessly every day. We cried Did every you single day of our childhood. Did you cry at all about it? You probably you did. probably shed a tear or two. Mm-hmm. At a certain point in law, I really wanted a dog. You know, when you're a kid, a lot of kids can relate to this. A lot of people could think back to being kids relating to this. Hopefully, you guys all had dogs because it was such a heartbreaking and deprived childhood not having the, um, you know, not having a dog. Companionship. Not have, yeah, not having that sort of thing that you knew everybody would have and what everybody else had and being deprived of it. <laughs> <laughs> but we always wanted a dog. And I remember it's just, just as a, on an anecdotal basis. I remember there was a weird period of time in the mid eighties for some reason where we got a glimmer of hope where mom and dad started to talk about getting a dog and they start, I wish they were here to sort of confirm the, on the factual basis, but they started to talk about getting a Springer Spaniel. I don't know where Springer Spaniel came from, like, why Springer Spaniel? Apparently, that's a hunting dog. But for some reason, somebody, mom or dad or somebody got jazzed about or turned them onto the idea of getting a Springer Spaniel. And I remember there being a glimmer of hope in that brief period where it was like, we're, we're going to get a dog. And then it quickly got shot down. You know, the fact mom and dad were very much, mom and dad both very fastidious, both very anal retentive about the house. Okay. I, I, Totally, the apple did not fall far from the tree. I'm very similar way. You are too, Kyle. Yeah, absolutely. But really, they were way too into keeping the house clean and tidy and neat and perfect to ever have a pet. It would have never worked in that house. You know what I mean? It's not like I felt like they were like, you know, I felt the their, their breath on the back of my neck, everything I did and everywhere I went. But the fact of the matter is they were just really hard working about keeping that house immaculate. I understand up. that, but at the same time, I feel like that's a cop out. Like when I think about my friends down the street that had the dogs, their house was clean. Right. Did, was it? You wouldn't know. I mean, you've been in it. Did yeah, you remember oh, that sure. house being anything but no, clean? Oh, the Cotter's house yeah. you're talking about. No, not at all. No, perfect. So, example. like, isn't that interesting? They had three dogs. Now, you think, right. you know, so I feel like that's a cop out. Yeah, that's that really a great is. point. The Cotter's. Yeah, it was a beautiful house. Well kept. I mean, not, I'm not saying that animals don't trash places and, I and think, shed. Yeah, and, all, and I think cats know. are in a way. 
mm, I don't want to say worse, but they can be worse with the litter and tracking oh, all that shit around. Our and, cat's much dirtier than the dog is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's, you know, that's their way. I mean, cats themselves are, are incredibly clean by nature. Like they just are constantly cleaning themselves. They smell like nothing. I mean, if you have a cat that smells like something, it's weird. Like there's something probably wrong with that cat. <laughs> but as far as like tracking litter around, their litter boxes are kind of disgusting. You know, that was a big problem. And that is a big problem with a lot of people. So for me, I, I look at that as a bit of a cop out. Like, yeah, our house was immaculate, but it was no more immaculate than, frankly, other houses I were in, was in that had pets. So I always feel like, you know, not to throw mom and dad under the bus, but they were lying. But kind of kind of to throw mom and dad. Yeah, they were just it never happened. And I, you know, I, I should also say my best my best friend, John, growing up, we sort of his parents and his family were very similar. You know, his mom, John's mom, Kathy who was like a mother to me growing up, she was the same way, very fastidious about the house, you know, all about cleaning every day. You know, she was a stay-at-home mom, just like mom. You know, maybe it's that, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, that Italian upbringing. You know, my mother grew up with her, her grandmother who was cleaning and, you know, those stories of like those old Italian women, like lifting the dresser to vacuum underneath it and stuff like that, like that, was a real thing like they were just that's just what they did that was just like this this almost inbred thing that they had to keep and also as far as like tidiness and clutter like they would just throw things out that you still wanted you know mom talks about that a lot like how her grandmother she was awesome and I remember granny I think she passed away when I was nine or ten so I have a lot of memories of granny she was awesome besides being an amazing cook but she was funny because she would just throw shit out if she thought it was in the way or, all right, nobody needs this anymore. They were like notorious for that. You know, mom talks about her Barbies getting thrown out and her her stuffed animal, her <laughs> famous Mimi Chow High story. She had a stuffed animal. Our mom had a, a stuffed animal, a stuffed cat, mm-hmm. right? Named Mimi Chow High, <laughs> who granny threw out just because she thought, all right, this is Mimi Chow That's High enough. is over. That's yeah. enough of Mimi Chow High. <laughs> yeah. so it's I, funny you say that just to interrupt you real quick yeah, because Erin yeah. makes fun of me. Maybe the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Not that I'm throwing away things that I think are necessarily important, although occasionally I do, but I'm obsessed with throwing things away. Like I look for things to throw away every day. I do the same thing. Like if and I we drink water out of those big gallon things in Santa Monica because the water there is terrible. And so like instead of waiting to go bring the recycling out at once, I just get rid of that thing as soon as I can, as soon as it's gone. And if there's like a little bit of water left in it, I'll like dump it into Lola. Sometimes I'll just throw it in the sink so I can just so, just like so throw it <laughs> you away. You got to get rid of it. I'm obsessed with th- like going through my things and just being like, I don't need this anymore. And I just throw it away. You know, yeah. I just or I like I find like two DVDs and I immediately walk them five blocks to the, you know, Goodwill just to get them out of the house. Like for no reason. Do you really? Yeah. Or like I'll find like a sweatshirt I don't want anymore. I'm like, I got to get this out of here. And I just bring it like one sweatshirt to the Goodwill place like a half a mile away. <laughs> I didn't know you did that. Yeah. Like I love neat and orderly shit. And I, you don't and like I take, clutter. You know, you no, like I hate it. And that's what sucks about living. You know, our apartment's a decent size, probably a thousand square feet. Maybe not quite that big. Two bedrooms. But we don't have an incredible amount of space. And I have a lot of shit, like just in boxes. Yeah. And nowhere to put them. Yeah. Because there's no closets in that apartment, really, for some reason. There's like just nothing. So, yeah, I just love purging, you know, constantly. And I've said it. I don't know if I said it on the show, but there's a Japanese book that was translated. I told you about, it, I think. You did. That was translated to English all about throwing things away. It was a bestseller in Japan and translated into English by this woman, this Japanese woman. And she was saying like you should just take everything and throw everything you own and throw it in a pile. Basically, the basic reduction of it is to take everything you own, throw it in a pile and then ask yourself if it brings you joy or not. And if it doesn't, just get rid of it. Like yeah. if you really don't. And that's how you purge. That is a great. I mean, that's really a hell. I think that's a very healthy philosophy. 
and your surroundings and you know your surroundings play a big part into your mental state as well so i think that's you know i understand that and i really understand being like kind of like a neat freak and wanting to keep things tidy and being organized and everything having its place so i do understand that but yeah we just as a bit of history we never had a dog growing up so and we never had a cat as well the first cats that we had um and crossing over to cats now the first cats we had when we moved into the other house i was 13 and the first cats we had were like outdoor cats that were like allowed to come into the garage and we would feed them in the garage, but they were outdoor cats. They were not to come inside. So Absolutely Sylvester not. was the first one, right? Sylvester, as far as I remember, was the very first one that started coming around. And we started feeding him. And then I guess he would mostly lurk in the backyard. You know, we were on like a wooded acre back there. around the, Whatever wasn't the deck and the pool behind that was like a wooded acre. On the other side was a farm. That would play very importantly into a story I'll discuss later. So... Sylvester just kind of patrolled the grounds. I think when it came, it got really cold. Maybe mom let him inside the garage. You know, it was like a two-car garage that he could hang out. It was a little less cold in there. But that was the first one. And then the second cat that started coming around kind of operated in the same capacity as the first one as Sylvester was Lancelot. Do you remember Lancelot? I do remember Lancelot, yeah. And he was the same thing, sort of um, in and out. You know, it was allowed in the garage. Absolutely, was not allowed in the house. We brought him in the house. I see. I don't remember that. We definitely tell did. me about that. So when dad, when we knew dad was on a tour, we would bring him. We I don't know how you don't remember that. We would bring him in the house. I don't remember for sometimes days. I had so many cats. We'll get into that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I yeah Lancelot was definitely the yeah because you had others like shampoo and all the others, but and Ben and everything. But we definitely brought Sylvester. We never brought inside, as far as I remember. And I think not to call anyone out. I won't use any names, but I think that Allie's friend's mom ran Sylvester over. Right? Wasn't, oh. Wasn't that it was either Sylvester or Lancelot? No, Lance. Something has very specific happened. No, no, Lancelot got infested with something, right? Yeah, he got he got beat up. So what happened with Lancelot? Yeah, right. So talk to me. Yeah, talk to me about this. What happened with Lancelot? I don't remember. I think Sylvester Sylvester got killed. It was a total accident, but I think that Sylvester got killed by like on Old Stump Road by like one of Allie's mom's friends. If I I remember correctly, what happened to Sylvester? I think that's the story. My mom will have to verify that. But yeah, talk to me. And Sylvester's like a passing memory. I don't even really remember Sylvester that well. But Lancelot, I remember very well. It's surprising to me that you don't remember it bringing him in. I, I remember like the in, idea. in through the big in, like not the not the doors that led out to the pool. But yeah, actually, I just remember him bringing in the doors that led into the den into the garage, we would, like sneak him, bring him in. And we would be watching cartoons and dicking around. And then we would know dad would come home at a certain time when we get him out of there. And mom was in on it. Oh, she was. Yeah, definitely. That is so cool because no, I don't I actually don't remember that. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember Sylvester or Lancelot very well. And Sylvester, too. And that's funny because I don't remember what happened. I didn't remember what happened. Probably not the cleanest thing to do to bring an outdoor cat on Long Island and covered in fucking poison ivy and ticks. And ticks. And it could be fleas and everything as well. But Yeah, definitely. But anyway, yeah. What happened to Sylvester or Lancelot? Lancelot was actually, you know, that I considered Lancelot was a Lancelot seemed to be around for a while. And we got it very attached to Lancelot. And he didn't. It wasn't that type of thing where you're feeding a cat and then. It's kind of transient. You know, it kind of lasts for a couple of weeks and the cat's off to the next house. I remember Lancelot being around for at least a couple of few seasons. And one day Lancelot, I guess what had happened was Lancelot wasn't showing up. Like he was gone for much longer than he normally was. Like we haven't seen Lancelot for three days. Now it's four days. Now it's a week, whatever it was, nine days. Turned out that he got beat up, like really, really attacked by a bunch of raccoons now, we found, mom and dad, 
mom and dad, myself and mom found Lancelot in the woods, sort of like behind our, we had like a pool that was enclosed in with a fence. And then behind that was the wood, you know, a little bit of wooded land. Lancelot was back there. I guess we heard the meow, like a faint meowing run back. He was just disgusting, but you know, it's a very bittersweet Mm. episode of, of knockbacks. Some fun, fun stories and some sad stories. It's bittersweet. It's a pet thing. So he was not to be disgusting, but he was infested with maggots. I remember his haunches, like everything back from his rib cage, he was just torn up. He was just torn up. And he, you know, there was, I guess he was there a while and there was maggots in his wounds and he was just suffering, you know. It turned out, I guess the vet had said that, yeah, this is a, this is a raccoon attack. And, you know, we got to put, obviously we got to give him the shot. We got to put, get him put under. So that was the first time I ever, you know, that was that very palpable feeling of being a kid. I guess I was, I was anywhere from 13 to 15. Maybe I'll say I was 14 years old, just to average it out. You know, of course, the vet was like, you know, we have to put him down. And that was so sad to see, you know, the first time I saw an animal suffering and the first time we lost, you know, what we what we were considered was a pet, you know. So that was a lot. That was really sad. Now, just going in, now, just talking about cats in general, Carl, you were the first one of us to grow up with, I don't think now, I think even to this day, Dana and Allie, our sisters, they're not real big cat people. Neither either one of them, as far as I know. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think ever, either one of them ever owned a cat as well. No, so, no but, I can't imagine Dana specifically owning a pet. To be no, honest. she's not a big pet person. No. And I'll get, I'll get, I have the theory of why Dana doesn't like pets. I have this, I have the backstory for you, my friend. Oh, okay, good. And we'll get into expose. But, a little expose, Dana. Mm-hmm. I hope you don't mind. She's going to love that. I hope you don't mind. She's rolling her eyes right now. Stop rolling your eyes. <laughs> When you're listening to this weeks from now. But now, Kyle, you were the first one, and this should be said, you were the first one to actually own cats, legit cats in the house, Mm -hmm. pets with mom. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I owned a cat. My first cat was Chun-Li. I got her in Best name ever for a cat. Yes. Best name ever for a cat. Period. I got her in the fall of night or the like late summer, I think of 1993. Okay. And she was a feral cat, actually, from New Hampshire, from Conway. We had brought up in a previous episode that we had cousins up there, like mom's cousins, Anna, who was this older woman. She lived in the woods, basically in the small northern New Hampshire community called Conway that we'd go up to. Dagan had mentioned it in a previous episode. And we would go up there and shop and hang out. And they knew I wanted a cat. And mom had just left dad and the divorce was going on. And I think there was like some bad feelings. So they went, they basically had like, they knew that this feral cat had like some kittens basically behind their house and they got one for me. I didn't know that's where Chun-Li came from. Yeah. And so Chun-Li was like a stubtail tortoise shell cat. She was a sweetheart. They, you know, obviously brought her to the vet, got all of her shots and vaccinated her and stuff. And she was always like really shy. She like basically only liked me and mom. And she didn't like wasn't mean to anyone, but she would just stay away from pretty much everybody else. And she was my little companion growing up and and I loved her to death. And we would call her Chunny or Chungy. And yeah, she actually didn't die until 2009 in the winter of 2009. So she lived from 93 to 2009. She lived actually in Washington, D.C. at the end with Larry, because our mom's husband, Larry, who we, we have a great deal of affection for. Is a, is a fed. He works for the FBI and he was working in Washington at the time. So he lived in like an apartment there and he brought her with him to yeah. take care because mom couldn't do it. Or, or there was some some reason why mom could. Oh, I think it was because the cats couldn't be around our nephews. OK, that's right. So that's correct. The beauty of it is that I saw Chun-Li one last time. Like, I, you know, I would see her over the years. She'd always remember me, always come up to me. It was always really cute. Like she she knew who I was. 
And I saw her one last time and she was skinny and she was old and she could barely move and she was clearly sick. And then I saw her and I spent time with her and I petted her and I remember kissing her on her head when I left. And then like three days later, she died. And so it was like a really sad thing. That's sad. And now this is kind of a joke in our family, I guess, but we were going to bury her. But it was winter and we couldn't break ground. So we got her cremated. You're not just going to throw the cat out, you know, like throw it in the dumpster or something like that. So we were going to bury her. But then we got the cat cremated and I still have the cat, the cat's ashes in my house, in my apartment. I knew about that. <laughs> on a shelf. And every once in a while, I like to take it, you know, to, to Aaron, maybe shake it a little bit next to her so she can hear it. You know, Aaron never met. No, Erin never met Chun. I knew Erin at the time that Chun Li was alive, but she never met back at school. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe she did because she did come to mom's apartment, I think, once. But, you know, in passing, maybe. But yeah, so that was the first one. And then in 95, we got a second cat named Yiddle, Y-I-U-L, who we ended up calling Yit or Yiddle. She was a mancoon. She was fucking huge. She was. And she was a bitch. She was a real. Was she big or was she just fluffy? No, she was big. She was big. Mancoons are big, dude. And she was big. And there was something wrong with her for sure. She got taken away. So it was technically Allie's cat. Allie lived with us in Maine for one year. She was in 11th grade. She she just did her 11th grade year for whatever reason. I think that like she needed like reform school basically. And so I forgot about that. So like, and I don't mean that literally because Allie listens to this. Too. I don't mean you literally went to reform school. I mean that like they wanted to get her out of the island and like get her away from some shit, I think. And then she went back for her senior year. Right. So during that time, she knew this guy that lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire named Jason. They, I think they were dating. He was this really friendly guy. He had cat, a cat that was having a litter, but we got yet like way too soon. Like we got her maybe a few weeks after she was born or something like that. Like way too soon. Yeah. And I remember it's supposed to be six to eight weeks or something. Right. When you take them from, I think mom. something like that. Yeah. Something like that. And I remember, I remember it clear as day. We lived in this small house in York, Maine, near the beach. I came home from hockey. Chun Li had already been with us for a couple of years. Mom's like, guess what we got? And I heard this noise and it was and I was like, did you get a bird? I remember this really because it was like it was it sounded like chirping. And she's like, no, it's a cat. It's a cat. And it was Yit, you know, just a little just a little tiny kitten. And Yit, I think, lived even longer than Chun Li. I think that my mom moved because of the kids. They gave Yit to like a like a no kill shelter or something. And, and I think the cat ended up getting adopted by a family in Arizona, as I recall. Like that adopts like kind of older cats. So interesting. I don't know. And that also happened with mom's third cat, which she got when I was in college that I named Slinky. And I named it that because we thought it was a girl. It actually ended up being a boy. But there's a one of 311's first songs from the 80s is called Slinky Girl. So I named the cat Slinky thinking it was a girl, but it wasn't. But we ended up calling it Slinky (laughs) anyway. So I think mom gave these cats away to a shelter that then segued these cats to a place in Arizona. So. And I think mom might still get updates, actually, about Slinky. I think Slinky might still be alive oh, right? really? as, as of like recently, like as I of the last few years. I know that. So, yeah, but Chun-Li, out of all of those, Chun-Li was my my girl and she would sleep right next to my head at night. And the funny thing that mom and I used to always make fun of her about is that she would always like to sit on the, the arm of the couch like this, the arms of your couch. But she would always face the wall. Like she would just sit and just face the wall. Oh, she would sit. Yeah, like she would sit on the on the oh. arm of the couch, but face the wall. Oh, like next, if you were sitting, ne- she would just want to be next to you. That's some Blair Witch shit. Right but there. never, she never really wanted to be touched or on you. She didn't want to be picked up. She didn't want to be on your lap. Okay, she would could pet her and stuff like that. She had a stub tail, so you could, she liked getting pet like right by her stub tail. It was like really like solid. <laughs> That's right, I remember that little tail. And she was really an adorable cat, and I really loved her. She was like my little companion, and she looked cool. That cal- calico cats look cool. They have that cool look to them. Yeah, she had. She was mostly black. She had like a white dot on her nose. And then she had like some orange that was like become more that became more pronounced as she got older. 
And yeah, that was my that was my cat. And those were the last pets I really had that I considered my own until I had Lola. Until you know? Loli pup. Yeah, until until Lolita. So uh, or Loli- her full name is Lolita Louise Bovenzi Moriarty. It makes sense. Yeah. yeah nice so name. she has a middle name and, has a, two, and a hyphenated last name <laughs> as well. And she's she's the love of my life. But no, no sorry, Aaron. Uh, you don't listen to this. You will never know. Someone's going to tell you on Twitter, I'm sure. What is with the spouses not listening to this show? It's good. It's probably for the best. You guys all love us out there. The wives don't. Aaron hears me enough. That's really. true. I, yeah, give it to. I think it's like. An, I think. I think. She, I think she's like. It's enough already. It's like, enough. Yeah. That's and true. I think she knows that I just like. It's a good point. She makes fun of me because I always talk about how obsessed Lola is with me, and she is. Lola is obsessed with me. But she also is like, yeah, but you are also obsessed with Lola. And I'm like, yeah, that's that a good point. is actually true. On the plane here, actually to Philly, I was going. You know, it's you try to find. I was playing a little Vita. I was you know having a drink, talking to the guy next to me a little bit, but then you got to find t- ways to kill all the time. And I, so I was going through my phone and deleting pictures and videos like, you know, it's a good time to purge. That's a great time to do that. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I have, if someone was sitting next to me or looking from behind me diagonally, maybe they're looking at, I probably look at a fucking psycho. It's all pictures it's of the dog. 90% pictures of Lola. Oh, yeah, I'm obsessed good. with taking, Lola loves borrowing as all Boston Terriers do. So there's all these, I have these funny, just a bunch, probably 50 pictures of just her legs and feet sticking out of covers that I think are so funny, like the Wicked Witch kind of thing. <laughs> That's or like awesome. just like one foot like sticking out yeah, yeah, or yeah. just her nose sticking out of the blankets, like all these weird pictures. And I refuse to delete any of them. I deleted like almost all the pictures I have of people on my phone, but I just had these pictures of but Lola. But the Lola pictures stay. Yeah, so... So yeah, th- that's kind of my story ab- about the cats. You found your soulmate. But but what about your cats? Because Well, I'll go into cats first, because I think that yeah. my cat stories are funny and int- maybe hopefully interesting for you guys, but not, not but definitely not the not definitely not the best stories. Probably the weakest stories of all my pet stories. So I'll start with the cats since we're already on that subject, Carl. About my own cats. Now, for me, the cat thing started with a girlfriend, my first serious girlfriend that I had, and she'll play into the mall episode, actually, a story for the, one of the next episodes we're going to do in this wave, but and how we met and everything like that. But So I had a long a long-time girlfriend for, on, when I lived on Long Island before I went away to school, and we, we, we dated, we stayed together. You know, she ended up going to school in New York City. I ended up going to school in Philly, and we stayed together for a few years after that. But she was a big, when I met her, her and her mom were big cat people. She had a bunch of cats like five or six cats that she lived with when I met her first met her. She That's was, borderline nuts. Yeah. And I, I that was 18 been the and she you. was 17 or I was seven. I was 19 and she was 18 when we first met. So she still lived with her mom. That, that should have been the sign. So that should have been the, that should have been the tip off, right? I should have been tipped off. By That's that. too many cats. But what's funny about, about her is that she bought me my first cat that I had as a pet. When I still lived at home with dad, I was 19. She bought me my first pet cat for Valentine's day. I believe and the cat's name, I named the cat Shampoo, after the Shampoo character from Ron Mahaff, the Ron Mahaff anime. So I named my first cat Shampoo, and basically, make a, long story, make a long story short, Shampoo was a really cool cat. She was really sweet. But, well, the one thing, one anecdotal thing I could tell you about the cat, that's kind of mean, but I'll cop to it. I, I wasn't trying to be mean. I was just out of my mind at this point. I know what you're going to say. I, when I, I used to bleach my hair blonde. Every couple of months, I used to use this stuff called BW2. It was like a powder that you mixed with water and it formed like a paste. And then you put this stuff in your hair. Now, I have very dark, coarse hair, but it bleached my hair. This is the one thing. I could not bleach my hair with like lemon juice and stuff like that. My hair is way too dark for that. It's almost black, my hair. So I had to use this stuff called BW2 and it was like this pudding that you put in your hair. And 
the cat, you know, Shampoo was very affectionate with me. And it was only me and the cat in the house a lot because, you know, Allie was off at school. And dad was, I think Dana was off to college at that point, And dad was at work, always at work. So I'd be bleaching my hair in the bathroom and Shampoo would be hanging around. And I would just take my finger and doot, doot, and put a smiley face on her side. And she was a black colored cat. So I would, she would have a little bleached pink smiley face on her fur it was terrible it's a terrible thing to do i would never do it now but i again i was out of my mind in my team in my teen years i thought it was hilarious dad would get so mad at me when i did that i, I remember doing that specifically doing that a few times it wasn't just once and it would grow out and by the time it grew out it was faded i would do it on the other side so you have a smiley face so a bleached smiley face so but shampoo was really sweet but i had shampoo now the next Valentine's Day, this wasn't discussed. I believe it was the next Valentine's Day. My ex-girlfriend, my then-girlfriend bought me not one more cat, but two more cats. She bought me two freaking cats. Now, I had three cats over two Valentine's Days. <laughs> and I named the cats Djibouti and Ben. Now, Ben was a kitten. Ben was like, I don't know, he was eight weeks if he was a day. I mean, he was not older than eight weeks. There was no way. Djibouti was an adult cat already, or she was at least like a year and a half, two years old. So Ben thought Djibouti was his mom. Would follow her around, try to drink out of her teats, whatever type of thing. It was, it was ridiculous. They were so annoyed. Both, both of those cats, for whatever reason, were so annoying. There was something about those two cats. I really loved Shampoo, but I didn't. maybe it was the fact I didn't ask for these cats. They, was, they were just kind of thrust upon me. They were kind of thrust into my world. So... I don't remember what was wrong with your booty. Maybe she was fine, but it was Ben that was super annoying. And so how my ex-girlfriend remedied the situation was she took shampoo and left me with these other two retarded cats. You know, <laughs> stupid cats. That's fine. So now I'm stuck with Djibouti and Ben. She has shampoo. And I think she had shampoo until way after we broke up. I think shampoo ended up dying like at her mother's house. She was from Massapequa, but they ended up moving to Amityville. And this was the Amityville horror. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so they had shampoo and then Djibouti and Ben. And I think eventually what had happened was dad just got so fed up with Djibouti and Ben that he took them to like the no kill shelter. Man, I remember that. I remember that being like, like a real it. dramatic, like, you thing. don't want these cats anyway. Just I'm getting rid of them, you know, and took them up to the, like, there was like a no kill shelter up in Yapank or Holbrook or something. Yeah, I think it's in Yapank. And that was the end of those two cats. So that was my first experience with experiences with cats but i do remember having a real affection for shampoo i might have been distracted by the time that Djibouti and ben came around because i think i was getting ready for school again i was in that gap year in between graduating high school and going into college where i was really i remember really avidly putting my portfolio together and sending stuff out and cold calling and i would i was visiting certain schools and i was really i was really concentrating on that at that time so i might have been just and i was also working you know and i was skateboarding and there was the social aspects of my life my girlfriend was in nassau county and i was in suffolk we lived about an hour away so that was life was busy so that might have been really what it was with the with the cats and then later on of course when i got married we had, you know, Helene, between Helene and I, we had our pet cats and we still have our pet, our pet cat, Tessa. She just turned four, but which is really my daughter's cat. Um, and she's a really interesting cat. She's a ragamuffin, actually. She's really cute. The whole thing, the whole theory with ragamuffin cats is that you could pick them up and they'll just stay limp in your hands. And it's true. They really will. You pick them up and they just go limp. You know, I don't even think it's funny because I don't even think they necessarily like being held. It's just what they do. You could hold her there. Sometimes I'm like, all right, ragamuffin test. Let's see if you're the real ragdoll cat. 
pick her up and she'll I literally she'll stay draped over my hands for minutes without trying to get down like she just she's, sits there she's cute she's like very wary but she still lets she's like not she's not a skittish really no she's not she's ve- she's actually really stands her ground she doesn't like the dog you know we've had kiki we've had our dog kiki for kiki just turned a year old we've had her since february so we've had her for almost a year but tessa still has not warmed up to the dog at all now my family is at at my mother and my mother and father-in-law's for the weekend they're letting us record and keeping things quiet. My wife, Aline, very good about that. But Tess is in her glory right now for the last couple of days because Kiki's not here to, you know, to uh, annoy her. But Kiki, just wants, Kiki just wants to be her friend. She though. wants to play. She wants to play. Tessa, Tessa just, just swats at her. She's not. Yeah, she's not having it. Thank God she doesn't have claws, you know. Let me rewind real quick. Sure. Where did you get the names? Djibouti's an African country. Yes. Ben is not his full name. So where did you get? <laughs> talk to me a little bit about where you got these names. From. I was just into giving pets funny names. You know, shampoo is actually, you know, like a tribute name from an anime I liked. But yeah, Djibouti, I just thought sound. I knew it was a country in Africa, but I just thought it sounded funny. You know, it was just silly. And that'll play until you guys will see. I I named all my pets growing up silly things. Ben was short for Bendejo, which what does that mean in Spanish again? Like son of a bitch or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Some some again, this harkens back. I don't know if you if you guys listened to my. Uh, what what movie? What? Oh, it was uh, recess. Ca- recess. Yeah, the recess. And I was episode. talking about my old friend Carlos, who I grew up with from like kindergarten all the way through twelfth grade, and he was like the ninja. He was the cafeteria ninja. He was the guy that used to jump over all the garbage cans, and he used to wear the Bruce Lee T-shirts, and we super into kung fu before anybody was. He used to teach me all the curse words in Spanish. You know, I think Carlos was Puerto Rican. He used to teach me all the curse words in Spanish. And yeah, I think that's where I got that from. I just thought that would be funny. But we called, but I also thought it was clever that we just call her, call him Ben. So like mom and dad wouldn't get mad at me. You right, know, my right. friends knew it and you guys knew what it really meant, but they didn't necessarily, I could just call him Ben and, or Benny and we could get, a, get away with it. So then that's really it for, you know, for the cats, you know, for me, I gotta say, I'm still probably more of a cat person than a dog person though. It is I funny really seeing like you interact with Kiki though. You know, like you really do love her. Oh yeah. She's a great dog. She's great. Yeah, she's dog. a sweetheart. Before we get off of cats, please, Nick Yushinsky wrote into us. And remember, hey, you can write into us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand if you want to support us over there. That's the only way you can get your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas right on the show. He said, I grew up with two cats in the 90s who were both outdoor cats. We would let these cats outside and then they would come back at some indeterminate time in the future. Sometimes they would come at, back with a dead bird or even bruised and bloodied. Uh, they would be times where they wouldn't come back for days. One of them was run over by a car and the other was about 15 years old before finally not coming back one day. We assume he died somewhere in the woods. Thinking about it now, it seems crazy to just let a cat outside and hope they would come back and not die. It does seem wild, but that's kind of their, na- I don't want to say that's their natural habitat, that's not true, but it's kind of natural for them. But I wanted to bring that up because mom always brings the stories up. And I remember of Lancelot specifically would hunt and bring us stuff and leave it on the stoop yeah. as like an offering to us. They do that. Cats do do Sna- that. And Feral it was like cats. snakes and mice. Like I remember them bringing in for or that's him. Unbel- is that cruel? Him bringing- it's so cool they do that. And I think mom tells the story, and I believe, because mom was always home, that Lancelot seemed to have liked mom the most, and that w- would make the offering specifically to mom, like on the front stoop, you know, <laughs> That's the gardener cool. steak. Or I whatever. do remember that. Yeah. And this plays into another story, Kyle. I have to shout out one more cat in my life growing up. Actually, the first cat that I was really around, my friend Tommy, co-star of Knockback, comes up in almost every episode. He's got to be on an episode at some point, right? We we'll gotta, get We got to find on. him. Yeah, we'll we got to find him. We'll get him on. He's still on the island? Last I heard, he works in New York City. So he, I, somewhere I, in the tri-state. He's somewhere, yeah, he's somewhere close, you know, which is kind of cool because I can all feel my friends presence. that work in New York, I can meet them. 
you know, because I, I still work in New York City, so mm-hmm. I can meet them for dinner, and that's what I did with John, you know, last year. So, yeah, Tommy's going to, Tommy's going to, he's got to be on. It'll be fun for you two to just do an episode together. Oh, my God, it'll be hilarious. Mm-hmm. It'll be absolutely And hilarious. that's when you can confess oh, about the X-Wing mm-hmm. cockpit. You have to confess. You have to confess. That'll be a really special moment. And you should give it to him. You yeah, have your X-Wing. I'm a very special knockback. You have your X-Wing still, right? I do have it. So you can give it back to him. You can present it to him. I don't think I'm going to give it back to him. Oh, okay. Fair. I don't want my X-Wing to be a convertible. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> should. I should really give it back. But anyway, tell me about this cat. So Tommy, this is the first cat now. And thinking back that I was really around, my friend Tommy had one cat. He was also asthmatic. And I remember that's why he didn't have any dogs. He had so many allergies. But for some reason, he had this cat. I would say pound for pound, and no offense to Tessa or Shampoo or indeed Chun-Li, but this might have been the coolest cat I was ever around. Now, I'll tell you what this cat did. Mittens. It was a black and white cat. It was a white cat with like black, big black spots, maybe a big black spot on her side. And what she did was she would sit in the hallway. We all grew up in like these center hall colonials, right? So the hallway from the front door back to the living room. She would sit at the far end of the hallway and Tommy would sit on the other end and he would wheel her uh, a matchbox car or a Hot Wheels, right? She would take it, stop it in her paw and do it back literally push the car back and she would do it over and over again. So she was such a smart cat. And I love how it plays into what you just said about Lancelot making offerings to mom with birds and snakes and everything. It's the first cat I ever saw do that. One day we were playing street hockey outside and I turned my head and for some reason I just saw her. I noticed her. She was mittens was standing behind Tommy's parents had a couple of garbage cans in the street. I guess the garbage men hadn't come yet. She was standing behind one of the garbage cans and she was kind of doing that thing where she was kind of shimmying into place that cats do when they're stalking. And I look and there's a robin about five feet away on the grass, up on the curb. And she's up on the grass. But the, the bird doesn't see her. She pounced, I see the whole, I watched the whole thing play out in front of my eyes, man. She pounced on this bird. It tried to fly up, grabbed it, pulled it down bit it, whatever broke, whatever it did to it and took it and carried it and put it up on the front walkway. I watched the entire thing happen and the whole thing happened in like 15 seconds. And I remember being so struck by that because it was the first time I ever saw that happen. It was the first time I ever saw like nature play out in front of my eyes. It was so striking. Mittens was trying to provide. She was a, she brought home the bacon, Mm -hmm. you know? And besides that, was able to play matchbox cars. That's awesome. That's a great story. that. That was so cool. I remember her doing that and it wasn't, it wasn't like a one-off thing. Like, that's what they would do with the cat. I don't know how they taught this cat that or, you know, if it just naturally had that ability to think to do that. But it was so funny that she liked to do that. She would sit there and do it for 10 minutes with you, you know, back and forth. And you had to – she w- couldn't push it that far, so you'd have to go get it and retrieve it. And then she'd push it back there and she'd stop it with her paw and then push it back and it would go off to the side. You know what I mean? She couldn't push it straight or push it far. But, man, that was like the best thing. And that was like Jimbo. That was like my Jimbo of cats. That was the first cat I remember at being around daily. So he was. The, so Mittens was indoors, out, indoor, outdoor. Mitten, yeah. You know what's funny though about the the Robin story? I never remember Mittens being outside besides that one time. Maybe I guess I guess it was an indoor, outdoor cat. But I remember, you know, Tommy was one of the first people I ever knew with a finished basement. You know, that's where we played. That would, you know, they had their bedrooms, but we mostly played down there. 
And I remember Mittens being down the basement all the time. I remember Mittens being in his room. And Tommy was literally allergic to everything. He was like one of those kids that was like allergic to dust mites. He was allergic to grass. He was allergic to pollen. Like he, you know, I remember like he, we couldn't play tackle football after a fashion because we couldn't, he couldn't be in the grass. You know what I mean? He could be, he could walk around the grass, but there was no reason for him to be laying in the grass. You know, he'd have a reaction. So I I do, that's funny that you mentioned that because that's the only time I remember Mittens outside. And, you know, the weather on Long Island is pretty harsh. You know, the, the fall and the winters are cold. Even mm. spring could be cold. So, you know, I could understand people not having their, their pets outside that often, you know, as far as cat, especially as far as cats go. But it's funny. No one, I, I, no one else I grew up with had pets. It was just Tommy had the one cat. And then my friend John, I was saying earlier, I was, I was starting to say he ended up getting a dog. We both wished for dogs. I wanted a husky. My whole life, that was like my big thing. I want a husky, and he wanted a German Shepherd. And when we, when we were fourteen, about a year after we moved out of that neighborhood, of course, John and I were still close. He got his German Shepherd, Baron. Baron, you remember Baron? Mm-hmm. Baron could be literally intimidating. It's an intimidating. Oh my dog. god, he was the mailman was so scared of Baron, so scared. It's an amazing name for a dog. That dog too, like it fit perfectly. It fit right. Yeah. He was big. He was a big male German Shepherd. Very, very intimidating and there was like really a handful of people maybe a dozen people that baron could be around if he didn't know you you know it could be it could be and it's funny because they didn't they must have got him from some sort of lineage of like you know working dog police dog type thing but they didn't train him that way that stuff was all just sort of inbred and instinctual you know so that's really interesting about baron and that was the first german shepherd i ever i think that was the first german yeah shepherd i want to say because i i hung out with john's brother a lot when i was in high school and i want to say baron was still alive oh i'm sure in, yeah. when i was in high school yeah, yeah. I'm, let's see he got we were 14 so you were technically three or four when baron was born mm. so yeah that's a good chance yeah i think that baron yeah his bro john's brother anthony i was friends with and would like go over there once in a while and hang out with them and yeah, he was still around you know so that, that was that was a yeah that, i was hard i wasn't like terrified of the dog but i was like i don't yeah, he was, he, he was, there was no reason. He was big. He wasn't, he wasn't cuddly by any stretch. No, certainly not. You know, but I, I should bring up, I guess, one more cat. I guess if we're talking about just to work in college, my ex-girlfriend there got a cat when we were sophomores, I think. She let me name the cat. I named her Niorin, N-I-O-R-U-N, which is the Norse goddess of sleep and dreams. Oh. And I named her that because... When she was a kitten, you could literally pick her up, move her, put her anywhere, and she would not wake up. It was an amazing thing. So we called her Nia. And that's we, cute. Yeah. And it, you just, the matchbox story just reminded me that I used to roll blunts all the time, but I would roll blunts and not, we, it was hard to get Dutch, Dutches, which is what we would smoke on Long Island, Dutch, you know, Dutch masters. Yeah. Yeah. Would be hard to get in Boston for some reason. My friends used to bring them by the box sometimes up or whatever for me. But we would buy blunt wraps instead, which were like kind of the flavored wraps that were tobacco list. And then you would like, you know, just unwrap, unravel them out of the straw and, you know, put the weed in it and then roll it up. And so we would have these straws all the time like these. And they'd have, you know, these things were flavored vanilla or raspberry, whatever the case might yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, sure. And Nia loved the straws. I think she loved like that. There was like a little bit of a taste on them. So we would always throw the straw for her. When I was rolling a joint, I would roll, throw the straw for her and then she would she would gather it and put it in her mouth and then like go in her little bed and like, you know, <laughs> taste it. And then she you could tell she'd be done with it. She like discarded it would be like all crushed and like have holes in it. And then we would she give her the finished. next one and you would find like seven or eight of them around the around the apartment and then you'd collect them and then give her more. So I haven't seen that cat since college, but uh, but she was a sweetheart, too. It's a cool name. It's I funny it was a very thoughtful there. name. Yeah, that's a great name. I had thoughtful names for the cat and I had thoughtful names for all of my pieces in college as well. I had a beautiful 
turquoise bong oh. th- that I named Oberon after the moon. Oberon, of course, is a Shakespearean character, but I named Oberon because it was a, the Oberon's a moon of Neptune and Neptune is that color. So I named it Oberon. I, I used to be very, very thoughtful with everything. Very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Well, pet names. I mean, that's such an important thing. That's a little bit of a side topic we could get into. You know, pet names are so it's so important. It's that's something you can't just you got to give a lot of thought to that sort of vet them, mm-hmm. make a list, pick the best one. That's very important. Oh, oh yeah. Absolutely. I already have the next one picked out for, for Lola's companion whenever we get to that. Which you're, will not be gonna, rush. you're not. Oh, OK. You're going to admit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could steal the name if you want. Because so, someone that did tweet me or message me on Patreon or something, because we had talked about it in a previous episode, I think. And he had said that he had a dog in, in the early 90s and that he named Rush. So okay. because of that, which is cute. You know, All so, right. Yeah, not a big deal. Now, Kyle, I want to yeah. shout out a couple more dogs. Please. My favorite dogs in the history of the dogs that I've known. PJ, my best friend, PJ. Don't let Lola hear this. Yeah. Well, no, she's on the list. Oh, okay. She's on the list. Oh, okay. So I want to shout out to Rocky. That was my best friend PJ's dog growing up. Really beautiful boxer. Um, big. Very intimidating. Again, like would really give the mailman a hard time. Rocky would never hurt anybody, but if you saw him, he was so mus- big and muscular and everything like that. And he definitely, he was definitely playing that up for the mailman, for sure. Like, which was, which was, and the mailman got so mad. I remember the mailman getting so mad at PJ's mom, Mrs. Peach. But Rocky was such a such a character. He was so funny. He was so he was such a family dog. You know, he's the first dog I I could really remember that he was such an integral an integrated part of the family and how much they really loved him, you know, and how he was just like, you couldn't separate him from the rest of the pack. Like he was just part of the family and that was it, you know? And I have to shout out, of course I want to shout out Lola and Kiki, but I have to shout out the Dana origin with pets story. Yeah, please. Now you may not know this. So growing up in Medford on Long Island, when we were little, this is way, this is, this is pre Colin PC as we call it. We moved out east from Nassau County to Medford when I was four. So Dana had to be all of two. And we had next door neighbors there who had kids. And her Dana's friend, Kim, lived next door. She must have been around Dana's age if Dana was, you know, three, two or three at the time. And Kim was like Dana's contemporary that she grew up with right next door. Well, this family had, I think, I believe, was a little shih tzu named Puff. And Puff was an ornery little bastard. I remember the dog being super mean. They only had the dog chained up in the garage ever. The dog was chained up in the garage and they would leave the garage door open about 10 inches so Puff could get some air, I guess. And that was it. And no one was to go near Puff. Just don't go in the garage unless you need, if you need something, ask us, blah, blah. Well, Dana decided it would be a good idea to crawl in the garage and hang out with Puff. Well, Puff bitter. So Dana got bit. I think she got bit on the hand, if I'm not mistaken. But Dane could correct us if she wants. She got bit. And it was like a traumatic experience for a two, three-year-old to get bit by a dog. So that might be. And I do remember. I clearly remember Puff being like, if you went. It was the first dog I ever saw where if you went too close, it would show its teeth and just like nonstop. Like just like just completely vicious like seemed vicious to me you know so there was like no way dana was getting escaping that garage without getting bit you know 
which is so crazy that a dog could be like that. I don't know that I know that many dogs. I know dad has a story that he got bit when he was a young kid by a German shepherd. And I've seen, it's not that I haven't seen mean dogs before I have, but that was just like, that was a particularly cantankerous little bastard, that little puff. But that might be why Dana doesn't really like, think about it, right? You have a bad experience that early on. It's kind of set in you. Yeah, it's, you it, ma- it makes it gives us a little context. Dana crawling under the garage like a commando. Just because she was going to. It's so sweet. It's so sad. Like little pigtail Dana crawling under the garage to go hang out with Puff. And then Puff just bites her in the hand, bites her finger off. You know, that's the end of that. Are we done? Do you want to talk any more about dogs? I think we're good with dogs. Okay. I think we're good for that for now. Because I don't want to I don't want to cut you off here, but I do want to get to this. Not at all. Jeremy Brokos wrote into us on Patreon like hey. you can and said, growing up. My mother was very allergic to cats and dogs, so I unfortunately never got the chance to grow up with these. It's probably the reason why I don't understand why people lose their shit over seeing a dog. However, I did get the opportunity to own several goldfish in my early years. They certainly aren't as lively, but there was a calming air about them that I found relaxing. I named one of them Tiny after the Crash Bandicoot antagonist and had another named Scaly, original I know, that actually managed to live through the entire six year span of my elementary school career. I was crushed when he passed and ended up keeping him in the fridge for years after his death. Oh my God. Holy. You really did love holy moly that was scaly i think scaly you really that was did. scaly that he loved more than tiny it sounds like you really did love scaly. now i had a few fish okay that we should throw out there i thought you were going to talk about this so i had I, I think they were a type of goldfish but i had these black fish these small black fish that we bought i think at the pet store in sun vet mall where finest was in kb and stuff there was like a pet store over there yeah I was in elementary school. It was before mom and dad got divorced, I remember, and because mom plays into this story. And so I had these two black fish in this bowl. I named them Cobra Commander and Destro. <laughs> the two best names. Yeah, for which fish Cobra ever. Commander is an awesome name for a, a fish, like an amazing name. That's the best name ever for a fish. And so I named them Cobra Commander and Destro. Those were the first two. And the story goes I mean, I don't really have much of an interesting story about them other than to say that I thought that they lived forever, I thought they lived for years. But mom later told me that she would just replace them over and over again, you know, that they actually died fairly, you know, fairly quickly. They were literally like two dollars each. She or something. They literally were just, I remember her doing that. Yeah, she would just get identical fish. And I was convinced that they lived, you know. Yeah, that was still the same fish, mm-hmm. but maybe the same spirit. The spirit of Cobra Commander and fish Destro. To fish. Definitely. Well, Definitely they were so. evil fish. But I have to say, just as a shout out, because the only other fish experience I ever have. We brought it up in a previous episode, I think. I don't know which one it was, but grandma and grandpa's neighbors in Albertson on the island, the Hirsches, this really nice Jewish family that lived there. We were very friendly with them. They had a beautiful aquarium in their house, at, in the entrance of the house. And I remember being like fixated by it. I don't remember their aquarium. Yeah, it was like right, right. They had an identical layout as grandma and grandpa. So if you remember, you just walk in and there's like that wall right to your left in front sure. of the staircase. It yeah. was just right against that wall. Oh, it was right there? And yeah, I I just remember being like fixated by it. I remember being fixated by like the filter and the different kinds of fish in it and stuff like that. And also, I think it was Jim in on Neighbor Avenue. I think they had a a small koi pond didn't they in the yeah, in the front of their house. They did indeed, which I was also fascinated by. Yeah, but, you know. I wouldn't mind having a nice aquarium, like a nice big aquarium in my house. I was going to ask you about like that. one built into the wall and stuff like that. It's apparently quite a bit of upkeep and apparently quite a pain in the yeah, ass. It can work. be really expensive. Yeah. too to get the proper fish and the proper equipment. But I find that quite cool to like just have these fish and, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but they're kind of dumb creatures and I don't really mind keeping them in this 
you know tank yeah it doesn't really make me feel bad for yeah them. that doesn't bother me the thing with the the aquarium was uncle mike had aquariums as we were growing up i don't know if you remember that i don't he remember that might no. have stopped at a certain point but he always he was always the guy that had aqua- the cool aquariums with the cool fish now my friend my my best friend pj his mom was also into having fish she had oscars which were like i believe they're like fighting fish they had a lot of really cool pets i'll get to that but Uncle Mike had actual aquariums with tropical fish, and he was really into it for a while. And the thing with me with an aquarium that seems cool is it's not really the fact of, like, you're going to sit and look at the aquarium for hours at a time. It kind of it kind of lends the room an ambience and an atmosphere. You know what I mean? You could turn the lights off. You still got the lights from the aquarium. It's kind of pretty. You can enjoy it for minutes at a time. I don't see anyone looking at it for half hour, hour, two hours at a time. It's not about that. It's just about having that little bit of atmosphere in the room for me you know i could see having it but it is supposed to be a lot of upkeep you know i never had more than a goldfish bowl you know and the goldfish thing is also interesting in its own right because (laughs) having a goldfish is almost like a game because you want to see how long this thing's gonna live helene had a goldfish that lived for seven frigging years and this thing was literally literally growing this huge goiter on the side of its head you saw it you knew it and it just kept growing you knew this fish this wasn't a story yeah no this was you know, when we first, before we got married, mm. but Helene and I were together for six, seven years before we got married. So she had this thing from college, up, graduated through college, went back and lived with our parents for a little bit. This thing lived and lived and lived with this giant growth on the side of its head until I think the fact that like, it was like upside down in the bowl for like two years. It swam upside down. <laughs> Which like, you it would not that die. dying. It yeah. wouldn't die. You know, that was the longest. That was probably the longest gold. My kids have had a few... I had a couple of goldfish. I had a goldfish, Paulie, that lived for like two or three years. You know, I had a couple of uh, hamsters that lived that long too, actually. A couple of interesting hamsters that lived that long. But yeah, that was the longest goldfish. But it was almost like a game seeing how long they lived because they could live a long time. Hamsters seem to have been trendy when I was younger. Like, I don't know. Do people still have hamsters these days? My daughter was, Lilia, your niece, was really into hamsters. But there was like this whole thing with like, what do you call them? The teddy bear hamsters, the bigger brown ones. There was like a blight. The breeders were supposedly breed, like they just like bad genetics and like they would just die. We, she had her first hamster. She's going to get mad at me because I'm going to forget its name. Her first hamster, Brownie. Hamster X. Yeah. It's Brownie. Mm-hmm. They had Brownie. <laughs> Graydon and Lilia had Brownie for almost three years, but then tried to and lived a long time. And he was so sweet, although he would escape sometimes. One, t- one, day, one night I came home late from New York. And I was mortified because I thought it was a mouse. I walked in through the garage into the kitchen. There's Brownie freaking walking around the kitchen. Everybody's asleep. He just got out of his cage. He's just walking around the kitchen. I'm like, Brownie, son of a bitch. So he, Brownie and that's was, how Brownie died. Brownie was an escape artist, which reminds me, not to go off on another tangent, but Helene had a brown. I don't know why she had a hamster in college, but she had a hamster in college <laughs> when I met her named Zoe. And Zoe was the same way. We would go upstairs. Zoe would be gone. Whatever Helene put on top of the cage to keep her in there, she would just eat through it, and she escaped time after time after time. She would get into the vents. It was like nuts. It was just like, all right, enough already with this. But Brownie was the same way, but ever since the kids tried to replace hamsters with various types, they would die within like a week. And then it turned out that the people at the pet stores were like, no, that these, whatever they are, are Iranian hamsters or the Russian dwarf hamsters, all the breeds, like you couldn't get them after a certain point. That you couldn't even find them at a PetSmart or a Petco because they were just they were having problems with the breeding and the suppliers and stuff like that. They were just bad, you know. They were just genetically messed up. 
they wouldn't live long. So that brownie was the last. You never had a hamster. No, I never wanted one. My friends had them, but I never wanted. I never really. They were a little weird to me. But I want to read this next one because I guess we should bring this up. I don't I'm going to have to rely on you for this because I only know a little bit of the scant detail. OK. Dennis Sobieski wrote in and said, when I was about seven, my mom got me this rabbit. I was so excited. I immediately got a box for it and made a home for it. Me being so young and naive, it was a hot summer day. And without any thought, I put this rabbit in the home I made. Hey, toilet paper rolls, you know, the works and excluding food and water. But I didn't think about how hot it was outside or the how that I put this cage out in the beating sun without any shade. After I got back from my baseball game, I came home to a dead rabbit that had been cooking in the sun. Uh. I was hysterical and didn't know why it died. My mom couldn't help but laugh, but I remember vividly how the rabbit looked when I got home that day. Anyway, sorry for the downer childhood pet story, but this is what I remember all too well and still get sad and still think about it. Now, we had a rabbit. Now, who's that? Who's that again? This is Dennis Sobieski. It's okay, Dennis. You know what? Hey, these are bittersweet. You know, some some of these could be sweet. Some of these could be sad. This and is I think we have an opposite weather story about our rabbit, don't we? Yes. So we had a rabbit named Ricochet. I forgot about this. Now, I don't know the details. Can you tell me why we got this rabbit? It was Allie's? Was it Allie's rabbit? We had a rabbit in a cage in the backyard. We did. In Brookhaven, you're talking. Right. About. Okay. And I remember where it was. It was next to the shed in the backyard. Yes. And I know we had, I think he, I think he was white or she was white. Gray. Gray. Ricochet. Was, Ricochet yeah. was the name. And that's all. And I know that it died because of extreme weather. That's all I remember. Yeah. So, okay. Let me tell you the story about Ricochet, Kyle. So now predating Kyle, PC, we had a pet rabbit named Whiskers. This was in the old house in Medford. We had, a, dad had, I don't know what possessed mom and dad to first get a rabbit. We had this black rabbit with a white stripe down its face. Very cute. Named Whiskers. Dad built this really ornate hutch for it, which one side of the hutch was open, one side of the, one side of the hutch was closed. He built it out of like plywood and two by fours and chicken wire on the one side so it could go out, kind of hang out in like the hay and stuff like that. And then he had a bunch of hay and straw in the enclosed side, thinking I guess that would keep him warm. Okay. We had very little interaction with Whiskers. I mean, it was cute to go out there and feed him a salt lick or give him his food or his carrot or whatever, but... You know, it was in a, whatever. You couldn't even pet it. It was just like kind of wild, you know. He would, you would try to reach in. He would run around back and forth and stuff like that. He didn't really want to be touched. So if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, one winter, instead of bringing the hutch in the garage or whatever, maybe that would have helped. Ricochet, uh, whiskers at some point became a block of ice and died. It's sad. What do you think? It's, it's very sad. It's yeah. terrible. And I just remember also there were so many feral cats in Medford, the same family that had Puff. The magic Shih Tzu had a bunch of cats that were like outdoor cats, and I could I could only imagine those cats going crazy trying to get to this rabbit. I mean, they never could. There was no way they could ever get to it, but I could only imagine. But so that was our first rabbit. And I don't even think I knew about the first rabbit. Okay, I don't know where. I don't know. I have Ricochet as a prominent part of my list here as, as part of my stories, but. I don't remember the origins of Ricochet, to be honest with you, who got him and why. Okay, but let me tell you my story about Ricochet first before I talk about you when talk about Ricochet dying. I was in 11th grade. Okay, here we go, guys. Picture it. Long Island, 1991. I was a junior in high school. I was going through some, again, talk about how weird I was in high school. You know, we talked about me burying an overdue VHS tape in the backyard. I was pretty weird. I was going through a really weird phase. So... In my junior year, at some point, I decided that I was really into animal rights and that I was really against like laboratory testing animals. 
And I think, again, I think a lot of big part of this was for me was how smitten I was with Watership Down. I was so into Watership Down that I remember having, I'll cop to this. I remember having a little stuffed rabbit that was like part of an Easter basket decoration or something. I took it off, made it into like a keychain, and put it on the back of my backpack that I took to high I wore this to high school, okay? And I took red marker. This was my message. I took red marker and colored on it like the like the rabbit was bleeding. You know, that was my that was my animal rights message. It probably came I, off as you were a psychopath, but yeah. I was out of my mind. Yeah, but I was out of my you, mind. You, you, I don't even have an explanation for this stuff. I just remember doing it. And I remember how crazy I was. I was just nuts. I mean, I guess my heart was in the right place, but whatever. So, God, I, I mean, if anybody made fun of me in high school, can you understand why? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like insane. So I was going through this animal. I don't even know where this came from. This whole animal rights thing. So we had this pet rabbit ricochet. Well, I decided that it wasn't right to keep this rabbit. Do you know this story? I decided it wasn't right to keep this rabbit locked up in this hutch anymore. No one paid attention to it. I felt bad for it. So I plotted. One morning I go out before school. This was all thought through. I knew when I was going to do this. I knew when and how I was going to do this. One morning I went out before school secretly. Mom didn't know. Instead of walking down the driveway to the bus stop, I went into the backyard. I took Ricochet's little hutch. I opened the top of it. I propped it up so it wouldn't be closed. And then I piled some stuff up so Ricochet could just hop out. And then I went to school. Bye, Ricochet. Enjoy your freedom, my friend. Now, who, what, ra- I already lost a cat to like a bunch of raccoons. What, who knew what raccoons, owls, hawks, all kinds of bird and a- birds of prey and animals of prey were lurking for this docile rabbit to be? So who, who the hell knew what I was thinking? But I'm like, all right, we got to let this thing free. But I guess me just leaving the cage open and propping it up and everything like that was not like me actually taking the rabbit out of the hutch and letting it free. It was like, so I, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, free I, will. You can't really blame me. He just jumped out on his own, you know, type of thing. That's, I think that's what I was thinking. But anyway, I get home. I get home from school. That's that, right? I go to school. I get home. Mom's like, oh, my God, Dagan, you're not going to believe it. I guess Ricochet escaped last night. And Kurt was kind enough. He found him and brought him back. Now we had a we had a we lived next to a farm. Okay, grew up. There was a kid that lived next door to us named Kurt. He was a year younger than me, so he was Dana's age. And you talk, want to talk about nature boy? I mean, this guy. You know, he had the cro- he had the ATV that he drove everywhere. Yeah, he didn't he drive his dirt bike in the pool like when we dad was tell the story that he was dig- they were digging the hole in the pool and he like. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. When they were digging the ditch yeah. with police to drive his dirt bike in there, he had, a, you know, he hunted, he had a crossbow, you know, the whole thing. He was like the, you know, the preeminent rural farm boy. Right. He's the one who showed me how to slaughter a duck before he even told. He's like, come here. I want to show you something cool. Puts the duck on the chopping block and cuts its freaking head off because they were slaughtered. They, you know, they had animals. They mm-hmm. had sheep. They had Boris, this like prize winning pig. They kept chickens. They kept ducks. The whole thing. Right. They had roosters. Yeah. He slaughtered a duck in front of me. The whole thing, you know, this was so Kurt fucking apparently Kurt fucking apprehended the rabbit, caught him with his bare hands and returned him. How did he even see him? It's like between (laughs) between Ricochet is a gray rabbit. There is probably we're on an acre. There's probably another couple of wooded acres to the side of us. And another and Kurt's farm is probably has some wooded acres. So you're talking about five or six wooded acres, this vast expanse of land. Kurt, for some reason, sees the rabbit, 
identifies it as our rabbit. Yeah, yeah, that's the weirdest part of it. Captures it with his bare hands and returns it. By the time by the time I got home from school, first of all, why wasn't he in school? <laughs> I mean, what is happening? So this actually this actually happened. I remember it was like the biggest like, you know, like mm-hmm. moment in my life. Did you like, tell Kurt later? Put- Did you tell him what that you? Let I him don't go? remember talking to Kurt about it, but I remember either at that point or very soon after talking to mom about like are you kidding me i let that like being so frustrated that i had to actually i was like i let that rabbit go on purpose are you kidding me we we had to live next to this guy of all people that was actually had the capability and the stealth to capture a rabbit with his identify the rabbit capture it with his bare hands and return it unharmed i mean this was like the this was solid snake before solid snake was a thing you know Unbelievable. That was the most unbelievable. Now, it's funny that you bring this up. Now, Ricochet, of course, was returned to us. I'm sure Ricochet was very grateful about that. I know I was. <laughs> and But I think you're right. Yeah, I wonder what he thought. I think Ricochet actually suffered the same fate as Whiskers. I think, I think so, he just yeah. froze outside because, you know, Long Island fall, winter, it's freezing. It gets down into the 30s and 20s and teens and everything like that. And I don't know what mom and dad were thinking. Of course, they're going to freeze outside, you know. But it's funny. I don't know where Ricochet came from. Was he Allie's rabbit? I think it was Allie's. That I don't sounds know. right to me. That sounds right. But yeah, that Ricochet story, man. I, I, I'll i never forget it as long as I live. It was like the most uncanny. You know, it was like, one of, you know, when you, those rare moments in life when you just feel like, am I on a sitcom right now? You know, I was so aggravated, you know, that it was like, oh, my God. You know, and Kurt was like that guy. He was he was like. He was a friend of mine, but he was also like that guy that was just annoying. You know what I mean? And that just compounded it a hundred percent, three hundred percent. You know, it was like, oh my god, this guy. Oh my, and mom was, and the funny thing was the contrast of it was how happy mom was that. Oh my god, can you believe you almost lost Ricochet? You know, I was like, oh my god, foiled again. <laughs> I know. Oh man, yeah, I'm sure Ricochet was thrilled. He could have had. I mean. He probably, in all fairness, probably would have got mauled by a hawk or something like that at some point. But think of all the time he could have enjoyed. In I know. he had At least he had free will. Now, let me ask you a question. I don't know if you have any, would have any answer for this. But in your, in your recollection, if you think about it, would a docile animal like a rabbit like that actually be mortified to be outside of the hutch? Or would he actually enjoy that freedom? I However, think would, I think he would it enjoy it. Be. I think he might enjoy it. You yeah, know, that's, you think? I think that's natural, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That's my I, assumption. Yeah, that's my assumption. I think of a rabbit. I think of a de- like a pet store rabbit, almost like a hamster. It's like they're not equipped. They're just not equipped for living in nature. People still have rabbits as pets today. I think I know a couple people online. I don't know them personally, but that have rabbits as pets in their house. Oh yeah, no, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. I'll never Which forget is cool. Kyle. I talk about rabbits. When I worked in New York, I worked in this very specific studio up on Fifty First Street in Hell's Kitchen. And that neighborhood is so different now, by the way. It's so gentrified there. But I worked on 51st Street, and every day I would see this is when I was commuting into New York every day. I would see this guy walking his pet rabbit, I'm not kidding, on a leash. And the dogs in the, everybody walking their dog on the street would be friggin', the dogs would be losing their mind. And this rabbit, was just like nonchalantly kind of sniffing around, like not paying attention to the dogs. And the dogs were doing everything they could to like get off the leash and get to this thing. And I saw it every day. And it was the first time I ever saw somebody, like you're saying, they have the pet rabbit, they walk it outside. So I guess, I don't know, I guess it helps with, you know, keeping the amount of poop down. 
if the rabbit's just able to have, you know, free range in the house. But I always remember that being so funny and seeing it over and over again. And I remember always being so tickled by the fact of all the dogs, like the dogs across the street, everything, every dog in the, you know, in the circumference would see this thing. Every, every dog in sight would see the rabbit be trying to get to it. And the owner of the dogs and the owner of the rabbit being so nonchalant about it, you know, like God forbid any of those dogs ever got off the leash. Wasn't there a, it was Dana, I think would tell the story when she worked at the ballet school in, in Manhattan that wasn't there a person that like walked like a goat or something like that. Know. Or there was something and I think like a duck. Like there's some weird some weird animal story she has from Manhattan I don't know. as well. Yeah. I remember Dana, you know, Dana did work at Juilliard, which mm. is actually right across the street from where I work at Sesame. Yeah, she, I think I think I might be getting two stories confused because I think it for her, I think it was like maybe a duck or something like something weird like that. And I think I also knew a person that like had knew someone that had like a pet goat or something that they would walk or some, oh some weird something weird like That's that. That's hilarious. Helene wants a pet goat. There's like those little, I guess they're called pygmy goats, the little mini ones. But I had, I knew a guy that I used to work with years ago that grew up on a farm. And he said, goats are really tough. You got to watch them because if you raise goats, they will literally eat everything. And he was saying, it doesn't even matter what's around them, but you have to be careful with glass because they will eat it. And glass apparently is the only, I guess because of the, you know, the makeup of their, the physical makeup of their stomach, they could handle a lot of things. You know, we all think of the goat with the rubber tire and the tin can and everything, which is true. They'll eat everything. But he said that including glass and glass will kill them. So you got to be careful if you have, they'll, they'll straight up eat glass. And I was like, whoa, goats, intelligent creatures goats are crazy. Yeah, they're, they're nuts. You know? And I always, I always remember him talking about that. You got to keep the glass away from the goats. I don't know why he talked about it so much, but. Now, I want to hear about your story, but let's talk about Wellington. Okay. You knew this was going to be on the list. Then. It had to be. Because okay. this is the most peculiar one of all, I think. This is a strange one. Yeah. This is a really strange one. So, I guess I was in... I guess I was in ninth or 10th grade. I developed a fancy for a pet scorpion. And I asked mom and dad for one for Christmas, thinking they were going to go tell me to go fuck myself, right? Like, oh, I want a, fa- I want a pet scorpion for Christmas. And I remember, I think I remember seeing them. They built a mall called the Sunshine Mall next to our old neighborhood in Medford. And there was a pet store in there. And John and I and Tommy and everything, that became a hangout for us. We skateboarded there, but we also hang out there. We go to the, yo- you know, TCBY Yogurt was there. And they had a pet store. They had an arcade. KB was there, right? KB yeah. was in there. So we'd go up there and hang out. So we often go, oftentimes go to this pet store. So I, I realized that a pet scorpion was a thing. And, you know, I knew what a scorpion was all the way back from playing pitfall in the late 70s. I knew what a scorpion was. So, and I think I had a fancy for scorpions. I think I did it like a, like a book report or I did a, like a research report on scorpions. I chose an animal. I chose scorpions in, in like 1980 when I had to write my first essay. You know, in the, back then we didn't have Google. We had encyclopedias. I wrote about scorpions. So I was like fascinated with scorpions for some reason. And so I asked for a scorpion. So they're like, all right. So we looked into it. Christmas morning, I get my pet scorpion. It's an emperor scorpion. Supposedly, this, you know, the, the poison sack on the back of its tail is drained, and which I'm sure it had to be. And they get me this pet scorpion. I name him Wellington. Which is it's a great name. Pretty big. And I named him Wellington. This is a really deep cut. But I named him Wellington after an old Woody Woodpecker cartoon about this bratty kid named Wellington. He was like the little, the, the chubby bratty kid with the huge swirly lollipop and the sailor hat and the sailor suit. And he was like bratty and asking, like the Veruca Salt type. 
So I named him Wellington after this kid. So I have Wellington. Okay. I figure out my friends and I at the time, Adam and John and Andy and everybody, Joey, in the neighborhood in Brookhaven, figure out, or I figure out that if you take a pencil, and because you can't touch it, they're aggressive, they're kind of solitary, you know, it has a light in there for mm. heat. You're supposed to feed it live crickets. Okay. Wellington lived for two months and never ate a single fucking thing, first of all, which is disturbing. But I guess it's like a, it's an arachnid. I guess it's like a spider. They don't need to eat, you know, or like even like a snake, you know, they eat every so often. I would try to feed it live crickets and never ate one single thing. And never literally, it lived for two months, never ate one single thing. Figured out that you could put a pencil in there and you can't pick it up and take it out of the cage and you can't, or it's a little habitat, but you can't also tip the habitat over and get him out if you want him to walk around because there's all gravel and stuff in there. It's water and it's gross. So I figured out that you could put a pencil in there and if you hit him, if you laid the pencil eraser just on the right spot on his back, it was like a reflex. His tail would shoot up and stick into the side of the pencil and you could lift him out of the habitat, right? So I would lift him out of the habitat and let him walk around my, let him walk around my bedroom. But I had hardwood floors in the bedroom. So mom says that, she states, still says to this day that she could hear the skittering from downstairs or wherever she was in the house on the hardwood floors. But so I would hear, I would take, I would ultimately every day I would take Wellington out. I would let him walk around the floor and I would have to do the same thing. I would have to sort of corner him and then get the pencil and have him stick the pencil and then put him back in the habitat. Right. So, but every time I let this thing out, mom would yell, do you have that goddamn thing out of the habitat? <laughs> so I would hear, right. I don't know how she knew. Now she <laughs> says that she heard him skittering on the floor. You know, it wasn't the size of a pillow. I mean, he was little. He was like, I'm trying to think of, a, let me give give you a size comparison. He was probably like the size of a cell phone, like a big cell phone, like my iPhone XR over there, right? He was probably like about that big. He wasn't small. He wasn't like really, like you see those really tiny scorpions, but he wasn't the size, he was like the size of a crab, right? He wasn't like the size of a lobster. It wasn't this giant right. thing walking around my room. But yeah, I could hear the skittering on the goddamn floor, like put the goddamn thing back in. <laughs> but everything was goddamn, right? So I would, every single time, Kyle, every single time, it didn't matter what time of day I had this thing out, she would, I would hear from downstairs, put that goddamn thing back in the habitat. <laughs> like, I don't know how she knew, you know? And literally that pet, that scorpion lived for two months and never ate a thing. And that's, that's the thing. I think that was the fascinating thing. I wanted to see this thing eat. You know what I mean? I wanted to see it kill its prey and eat or whatever. It never ate one thing. It was the most, he was the most, he looked cool. But he was the most, him. most him. disappointing pet. And I remember like having him. I had a Transformer. He was a Decepticon. I don't remember his name. He kind of, it wasn't a Scorpion. It was like the second wave of Insecticons. He was like this brown beetle. I don't know if he was a triple changer or whatever. But he kind of looked like Wellington. So I would put him on the floor and put Wellington on the floor thinking like, oh, he's going to think it's like an enemy Scorpion. <laughs> he would just walk right by it. You know, I was like so out of my mind when I was a kid. You know, I was like, what did I want to do with this scorpion? And I was the only person I ever knew that had a scorpion. And I was shocked that mom and dad got me a scorpion. Yeah, it is shocking when you think I about it. I almost asked for it and thinking they were just going to say no. And plan B was, okay, prepare. You're going to get a scorpion. Now what? You know, I, I wasn't expecting that. And you had to go buy live grasshoppers. And had to go buy the crickets. We only crickets. had to do it once. Because what do we have to feed it dead crickets or live crickets? I don't remember, but it was so crazy. Like I had him in his little habitat, his little plastic habitat with the lid, which looked no different than like something you would put like a um, 
what do you call them? The uh, things you get at the boardwalk, the crabs, the um, they have the decorative shells. Oh, a horseshoe. Uh, 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 it's like horseshoe. No, something. I know what you're talking about. Right. The little. What do you call them? Yes. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. You know, those little things that you get at the, as a tchotchke mm. down at the shore. You know, the hermit crab. Hermit crab, yes. It looked like a hermit crab habitat. It was hermit, just a little bigger and had a light in it. That's it. And it was ne- very sweetly next to my bed. You know, I kept it next to, on the nightstand next to my bed, next to my, you know, clock radio. <laughs> it's like unbelievable. The only wackier pet I had than that was, I don't know if you know that mom and I, I used to do landscaping a little bit like when I was in like ninth or 10th grade. And my friend and I, Dave found a squirrel nest and we found a like a baby squirrel i mean this thing was like just born ichabod and we brought this thing home you know i brought it home in like a shoe box and mom and i mom very sweetly was like all right we gotta try it nurse it back to health and we went to the store and bought like similac like baby formula and had a little eyedropper and we try to feed this thing but it died it died like overnight and maybe it lasted might have lasted one night and then it went into the second night. He lasted to like the second night. But that was very sad. That was a very sad moment for me about trying to like rescue something and it didn't work out. But I think Ichabod was like the only thing wackier I ever had than Wellington. I mean, how many people have a pet scorpion named Wellington? You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember being fascinated by the scorpion, like going in and looking at it and stuff like that. It's especially funny. I guess there was a lot of trust put in me because I was a young child at the time and no one thought twice about putting a scorpion in the house with me. So... (laughs) I was like, what, five? You know? And supposedly, the, how do you really know? We're not like animal experts. How do you really know there's no poison in that sack? Right. Because that, that sack is there on the end of its tail, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It was yeah, I remember being fascinated by it. Momentary lapse of intelligence for everybody in the house. <laughs> That's funny that you remember it, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's funny. Really definitely. Funny. Yeah, and I remember, I remember Ichabod as well. Now, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? You know, <coughs> I want. Excuse me, I wanted to ask you a couple of things, Kyle. Sure. Do you have any pets that's sort of like a fantasy pet? Like, if you could have one pet in the world, what would it be? Hmm. Anything like that that you could think of? Not really. I mean, I'm just fine with Boston Terriers, I guess. You know, the one thing that I do want, uh, my friend Dave Rubin has, uh, you know, and people know him from the Rubin Report. And, you know, I go watch his house sometimes, and I'm over there a lot. He has chickens. In his backyard. Oh, you were telling me about in this. L.A. And I watched his house one night, so I stayed overnight. Him and his husband were gone, so I was watching their dog. And uh, he has a beautiful house. And I was in the backyard, and they and they lay. And he's like, "Go in the backyard, get the eggs." And I, I like, all right, I'm like, all right, I did. And then I just made myself an omelet. How was the, that? It was cool. It was it was just the same as I, you know, but it was just cool. It's like, oh, this is like doesn't get any fresher than this, you know. The eggs so, didn't taste any different. No, I don't t- think so. You know, not not to my not to my palate. So I, I think from a practicality standpoint, I, I'd love to have I would love to like live in a rural place where I could have like pigs and chickens and stuff like that. I think it would probably be a pain in the ass. Like Erin tells a story. She lived in a really rural area of Massachusetts and she tells a story about how her dad was raising like eight pigs or something like that. Oh, my God. That they were going to raise to slaughter them. OK. And then when the day came that there was time to slaughter them, like she let them out and like let them escape. Whole, so she, they can like get away. She pulled a ricochet. Yeah, exactly. And then like her dad and I think her uncle or something, I like, had to run around and like get all these pigs and then they still just. Oh, so it them, didn't yeah. work out. None yeah, of them none, no, none of them still, actually escaped. But they had that moment of freedom. Right. And like that might have been important. Like she tried to like hatch a plan to like get get them out of there or whatever, you know, so. That's fantastic. You know, because I would love to like have fresh, you know, bacon and, you know, pork chops and sausages. Actually. I have to admit that sounds good. 
and chickens to lay eggs and cows to for milk. I know you don't like milk, but like that's a kind of a fantasy of mine. I would love to have like a you know, that's like a basically having a farm at that point. But I mean, for a practical standpoint, I think having a few chickens would be totally fine. That would be awesome. Yeah. As long as it's not a rooster. Do you remember growing up next to the farm mm-hmm. and growing up with the rooster? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know what's funny about that? It just becomes like white noise. You don't even, yeah, definitely. You don't even hear it. Definitely. You don't even hear it. You know, you might as well be the farmer. It was probably the worst for Dana and Allie in there because they shared a room. They had a huge bedroom because they faced Kurt's. Yeah, their room backed they up. They faced to the Kurt's farm. farm we yeah. didn't. Our windows faced didn't face the farm. That's so. true. That's a great point. Yeah. So maybe. Well, yours kind of faced like the side so maybe you got a little bit more of the noise but yeah no i remember that clear as day because i think everyone was really annoyed by it you know now what's your call i have to ask you also what's your least favorite pet like if you were forced to get a pet what would be like the least if somebody said like a practical you have to get this pet yeah yeah but practical pet like a pet that people would would have this well this segues into a story i guess we can wrap up with which is like i always was a little put off by ferrets ah and we do have a ferret story if you Go ahead. No, no but I, I, you know better than I do. Our, our dad's dad, you know, our grandfather on our side, you know, like the Moriarty grandfather, who we didn't really know very well. Or I didn't anyway. No. Christopher Moriarty. I don't know too much about the ferret. I know where you're going with this. But they it had was... a pet ferret. You know, my so our dad's mom died of cancer when he was a teenager. Before yeah, we never he, knew her. We never knew her before he joined the military. And so his dad remarried at some point, I think in the 70s. What was her name? Joan? Yes. And he remarried a woman named Joan. And, you know, my dad wasn't incredibly close to his dad and they had you know, kind of a tough upbringing and kind of a, a kind of a cantankerous relationship with one another. Kind of a, you know, my you know, my, I'll let my dad tell those stories or whatever if he's on the show again. But so I remember only going over there a couple of times and meeting this ferret, but they had a, a pet ferret, which I was I thought was strange. That's like a strange, weird animal to have. So. That's what came to mind for me first, but I don't really know the provenance of that ferret or... And I think it walked around the house. No, it did. It was in the house, right. like as if it was a cat or a dog. And yeah. you know what ferrets do. They hoard They they hoard things and hide things. They actually take things around the house. Like, you know, I think they're especially attracted to colorful and shiny things. I could be wrong. I'm obviously not a ferret expert, but they'll take things that they find. Like, say they take a nickel or a, a piece of string or, you know, a paperclip. And now they actually put them all on a spot. They hoard things and they hide things. So, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Joan and Poppy's ferret was just walking around the house. No, he definitely and was. And I think it was Joan's son's ferret, right? Is oh, that is what that it was? I thought it was Joan's, but I know it was Joan's son's yeah, ferret. Yeah, I okay. believe so. I believe so. So, fer- so ferret would be your one. See, I, where do you stand on snakes? I'm a little creeped out by snakes. Yeah, snakes are pretty... I don't mind them in nature. I think they're very interesting. You know, I'm terrified of spiders like i wouldn't that's oh, that's like the that, that's like when we live in a nice new apartment building in santa monica so it's not really a problem i think we've only had like one spider in there in two years that i've seen i'm they're there i'm sure but in san francisco aaron lived in like a place that had tons of spiders and like we would they get in a fight so i'm like i'm not killing that spider you know like right, you right, can go right. kill it yourself you, <laughs> you know? get it yeah and it always ended up being as the man i guess it always ended up being me i'm like Chah. were they and big some of them were big and like i would my favorite tool to use is a Swiffer mop without the pad on the bottom of it, so you can get like six feet on it, and you just slam it against the wall and just dish, like you like obliterate it. It like doesn't even exist anymore. Oh it like turns God. into matter, Ugh. you know. But oh, I'm horrified of spiders. But it, like totally think they're horrifying. But snakes, yeah, they creep me out. I don't really understand the point of having a you know. Yeah, these, some things I think should be in the wild. Yeah, there's no such thing as a domesticated snake. Like we've domesticated dogs and cats over thousands of years to live amongst us. You don't you can't communicate like that with an amphibian. Right. 
exactly. not the way it works or a reptile i should say and we should say ali our sister ali had a pet spider a pet tarantula i don't it was big. Do you remember her? No, I don't. What, when, when, you don't remember? No, when was it? She had it in all the way down to Richmond. Oh, I don't even in remember. her old house. I don't even remember that. I remember yeah. her having a pet frog. I can't think of the names, the spider's name. I want to say Pandora, but I, I don't think that's oh, right. Oh, God, I don't remember that at all. Oh, it's horrifying, dude. Because it was in, yeah, again, that's like Wellington, <laughs> lived in a little habitat. But I would always be creeped out sleeping over Allie's house because I was afraid I was going to get out. You know, I don't and tarantulas think, are like harmless, aren't they? Yeah, I don't think, and I, yeah, I don't think they're supposedly harmless. You know, I don't know if they have to, if they're, I don't think know if they're even poisonous actually, or if they have any kind of venom, or if the venom's taken out. But supposedly they are harm. It was harmless, but it was just so big. No, I, I it's like the I, size of your hand. I don't want any part of that. You no. know, I like do remember her hand. having a, a frog though, and like an oh, aquatic frog named yes. Robert Smith, <laughs> and. And that ended fan. up being basically my responsibility. When she went all the way to FIT or whatever, I was basically the one taking care of this fucking thing. Or when she lived in Brooklyn or whatever. I didn't remember that. You're right. Yeah. She did have those little frogs. And I just want to shout out some pets, Kyle, from movies and video games. Oh, please. Our favorite pets. I know your favorite pet from video games. Rush, of course. Rush. Is... Interceptor would be a second, a strong oh, second for me. Oh, I forgot about Interceptor. From Final Fantasy VI. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was going to shout out to Beat. Oh, definitely. Um, Poppy. Which is Galford's dog from Samurai Showdown. I'm a big Samurai Showdown Poppy. fan. Go, Poppy. Hey, Poppy. And Yoshi. Yosh, of course. You got to mention Yosh. And Handpan. Chim Chim. Nice Handpan, definitely. Handpan from Wild Arms. Mm -hmm. Chim Chim from Samurai Showdown. And the, do you remember the Pac Man cartoon? Was Pac-Man a Ruby Spears cartoon or was it Hanna-Barbera? I'm not sure. I don't think so. But in the Pac-Man cartoon, the Pac-Man cartoon was really charming. They had a little pet dog named Chomp Chomp. He was so cute. And I would just, just like to shout out my favorite pets from movies, which actually leads into my favorite. One of them leads into my favorite type of pet that I wish I could have, and that is Hedwig from Harry Potter, Harry Potter's loyal pet owl. And I always fantasize about having an owl like a little snowy owl. And one time we went, Helena and I went to this festival and this guy was walking around with one on his shoulder. I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. This was years ago. This was pre Harry Potter. This was probably 20 years ago, but that would be my fantasy pet to have a pet owl. I think I am so fascinated with owls. Like they're so cool. Yeah, they are cool. And so cute. And of course, shout out to, which is funny how many episodes this has come up on snake eyes, pet wolf snake eyes from GI Joe, his pet wolf named Timber. Timber. Right. Which is might have started my fascination with. I know Timber's a wolf, but might have started my fascination with huskies and why I wanted a husky because I knew I couldn't couldn't get a wolf, so that was like the next best. thing. Was that an appealing thing about Snake Eyes when you bought a Snake Eyes action figure? Was that he came with Timber? That must have been a yeah. And I never even had that Snake Eyes. I had the first Snake Eyes, the very first mm. one before the swivel joints, I think, and everything. Right? Oh, the straight arm eighty two one. The straight arms. Yeah. But yeah, I remember the Snake Eyes figure being. That was a big, that was a cool thing. Oh, that Because that was the first one I remember having a pet. Others had pets, but I remember that being the first one. Yeah, I had a few. Yeah, Mutt, Junkyard and Mutt. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Junkyard he, Junkyard, Junkyard was like the, he was like a cop or something, G.I. Joe, right? And yeah, like a, something like that. He was like a canine like unit. He had like a, and then Desert Scorpion was a cobra that came with like a scorpion. Oh, well. Like a big, big, like a big scorpion. Yeah, it was weird. Wellington. And he Is was he cool. A, he was a cool one because he had like a cloth, like the the Desert Scorpion character had like a cloth thing over his neck. Yeah, I can't remember like what that. he looks like. Yeah, he was a cool and G.I. And Spirit Joe. had a pet eagle, but I don't mm -hmm. remember the eagle's name. Now. Yeah, he did. Spirit. Did Were we making fun of Spirit not too long ago in one of the shows? Yeah. We definitely making fun yeah, of Spirit. Yeah, he's come up. Yeah. He's come up a couple of times. 
And Shipwreck had a parrot, right? Was parrot, it yeah, yeah. Shipwreck Polly had a parrot. or something? Who knows? Yeah, Shipwreck sucks. <laughs> Shipwreck, you're the worst. <laughs> Let's read a few more of these questions, comments, Please. concerns, thoughts, and ideas. These are really just memories, but I want to get through a few of them. Kyle Principato wrote in and said, I remember when I was about seven or eight, my parents came home with a pet turtle that they got from Chinatown. It was a red-eared slider that we named Torto. This little motherfucker would always attempt to escape any and all terrariums and enclosures that we had for him. We at one point brought a bought a kiddie pool and filled it with rocks and sand and water to give him space to run around. We had to cover the top with chicken wire to prevent predators from getting him, but also to prevent him from running away. We had him for a few years before he was finally able to escape, never to be seen again. That was As it. I type this, I'm realizing that this is actually a depressing story. And interestingly, Straw Hat Ninja had his own turtle story. He said, I had many pets growing up, including dogs, cats and fish. The weirdest pet I had was a little turtle. A pet I had was a little turtle. For some reason, it loved watching TV, but it died like a month after we got him. Rest in peace, Tommy. <laughs> Rest in peace, Tommy. James indeed. Nunez wrote in and said, when I was around seven, my mother purchased a beautiful Siberian Husky that we named Kai. Ah, there you go. Now, Kai was a bit of a troublemaker. She would disappear for days and come back. One day she came back with a horse leg and we never followed up on my it. My God. Later on, when my grandfather took her in, Kai and her daughter ate my grandfather's chickens. Now I know how it seems, but Kai was always gentle with my siblings and I. She was just a little wild. They're supposed to be tough pets, Huskies, because they need to be, they're very active. They have that sort of call. They have to be digging. They like the cold. They like to run. They sound like high maintenance dogs for sure. Cool dogs though. Levi Williams wrote in and said, hey guys, I love the podcast. Hope you do it for years to come. We hope to do it as well. And he was talking about tragic deaths of pets and he said he had several. He said, my dad accidentally ran over our three-year-old pug. My mom mistakenly poisoned our two goats with rhubarb. And in fifth grade, I brought my two bearded dragons for pet show and tell. They got overheated and died. I put them in a small and too small of a cage with with no normal heat lamp, I guess. Uh, so we have a few more to get through. But basically, oh, this one I want to read because we never really mentioned birds. I've always been a little mystified. Yeah, we by, didn't bring I've always birds. been a little mystified by birds, to be honest. I never knew anybody. They're that cool had creatures, them. but They're very cool. I don't I think it's weird. Will Han wrote in and said, when I was in elementary school, my older brother used to love getting parakeets and would always keep them in a little cage right next to our fireplace in the TV room. One day when I was home and my brother was out with his friends, I decided to take the bird out of the cage and play with him. We also had a golden retriever at the time who was pretty rambunctious and unpredictable, although very sweet. Unbeknownst to my knowledge, she was inside the house and took the parakeet right out of my hands and ate it. I'll never forget my brother coming home and screaming at me and then crying when he saw a bird carcass on the carpet. Make sure your dog is outside if you ever have a bird in the house. There you go. I I, I agree. And Andrew Christensen wrote in and said, Colin and Dig, I need you to be priest. I need you to be my priest as I offer you my confession. I was awful to my childhood pet, Mokai, the yellow Labrador. I thought at the time, having her from three to 12, that I was a good dog owner. But after receiving a new chocolate Labrador, I named Hershey upon my 13th birthday. I realized my, I, I have been so much better to her than I ever was to Mokai, basically just because of my maturity. And I feel terrible that I wasn't better. So I wanted to throw that out there as well. I think that it's just an age thing. I don't think you were probably abusive to it or anything like that. If you were, obviously, you should you shouldn't feel good about that. But. I think people I think what you're talking about is attention. And that was something that we came up a lot with our rabbits and all these other things that, yes. you, you know, it's hard to give, you know, pets attention if you don't really want them around or whatever. The thing is, is that I with Lola, I couldn't imagine not giving her and showering her with attention and, you know, her being by my side all the time. And it was funny. You said something earlier about Kiki when, when Helene came home before you had Kiki always barks. She's not here right now. She's back now. But she was gone at the time. And you said you like kind of heard the audible barking of her. Even yes. though she wasn't there. And I know exactly what you're talking about with that with Lola now. Like you just expect it. It's, it's very, such it's a, a habit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a, it's like a Pavlov's dog reaction. Yeah, I would hear the dog because our dog is a big barker. I guess Havanese really bark. And when she hears the door, she starts barking. So whenever the door opens, I ever hear the door, the bell on the door, the squeaking of the front door. 
I just hear that bark come. Even if it doesn't come, it's coming. You know, you just right. hear it. It's just a habit. No, absolutely. You know, it's so funny how that works. And I want to give a shout out to Jake Whitaker, to John Polk, to David Thomas, to James Kinslow third. And I think that's everyone that we didn't read their questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas. Thank you for submitting them. And sorry, we couldn't get to them. We're getting more questions or more submissions. I'm sorry, rather than ever. So we're trying to get to everybody. And I'm sorry that we couldn't get to you. But I wanted to acknowledge that you submitted something on Patreon. And we thank you for your support. Now, Dagan, are we are we done? Do you want to do the lightning round or do you have anything yeah, to wrap absolutely. up with? No, I mean, I would just wrap up with my friend PJ's is getting back to my friend PJ's house. He always was very into <laughs> his whole thing was like having pets that were like he wanted the pets that were most like Pokemon characters that were just outrageous and kind of rare and kind of weird and that and kind of cute. So my friend PJ's had besides having the Oscars, his mom had those Oscars, which were like those fighting fish. I believe he had a pet hedgehog at one point. All the thing did was sleep. I never saw the thing come out at all. He had a pet chinchilla for a little while in this giant cage. This the, must be Sega stuff, right? With the hedgehog and the chinchilla. Isn't oh, that, I didn't think isn't about that. that. With uh, Sonic and Knuckles? Yeah. I never thought about that. And he is a PJ is a bit of a Sega guy. I think he had a fruit glider for a little while, which is like this weird bat hybrid squirrel thing that we first saw at a skate shop out here called Nocturnal. The guy, Kerry, who runs the shop, had a fruit glider in there, I guess, based on the theme of his shop. And what else did PJ have? I said the hedgehog, the chinchilla, the fruit glider, the Oscars. I don't know if I'm forgetting anything. But yeah, he was always really into those odd pets. I think I think we really balance it out with the scorpion, and I think we've had just about everything. It's funny that we've never... It's like Noah's Ark. It's like, we're like building the Ark mm-hmm. over here. We never really were into the birds. Now, Helene was into canaries and we had a canary that was i think his i don't know what his name was but i used to call him cheap because also all he did was cheap and he was cute but i never knew anybody i knew one girl who had a parrot that talked that you know you could train to talk and they just played the cassette tape over and over again all day so the parrot could learn how to talk but i don't know anybody else who had parrots besides her or oh is that how you do it i didn't even know that yeah it's just through it's just through like rote repetition you just keep playing that tape over and over again. That's how they. That's how they pick it up, like a sound, because they're just making a sound. Mm-hmm. They're not talking, you know. Bird brains. They don't understand the language. <laughs> okay, so you ready for the lightning round, my friend? This is a simple one. Yeah, let's do the lightning round of doom. Lightning round of with doom. the timer. These are the days of our lives. Sand through the hourglass. Here it is. Lightning round of doom. Here we go. This should be an easy one. All right, Kyle. Here we go. Mm. Let me flip it. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Snakes or turtles? Turtles. Parrot or macaw? Macaw. A big dog or a small dog? Small dog. All right, not get, too small. Not too small. Medium size? Lola's like 18 pounds. That's a good size. Medium small. Mm-hmm. Pet owl or a pet hawk? Birds of owl. prey. Birds of prey. Oh, absolutely. Okay, give me a cat name. If you got a name, if you had to get a cat right now, what would you name it? Tango. Fishbowl or aquarium? Aquarium. Hedwig or Scabbers? What is that a Harry Potter thing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Scabbers is Ron's pet rat. Oh, Ron sucks. I'll go with whatever Harry's. You're gonna go with Hedwig. Yeah. And frog or fish? Fish. All right, you got it. You made it just by the hair of our chinny chin chin here. Look yeah, I would definitely Tango is Mega Man's cat. I would definitely name a cat Tango a good, if I got a new one. That's yeah. a good good call. Good definitely. call. Definitely. Well, Dagan, that was a fun episode about our childhood pets. And some traumatic stories from the audience and also from us. We hope you enjoyed it. 
Thank you so much for listening to Knockback and supporting us. Remember, you can go on patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand for early access. Submit questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas. Get exclusive podcasts. There are three, I think, exclusive podcasts of Knockback that are not available publicly that you can listen to right now, including one about TGIF, one about the Mighty Ducks, and one about Say by the Bell. So we hope you go check those out. Those are fun episodes that I did with my best friend Ramon uh, a while ago, and we'll continue to do exclusives. I think I'm going to make the dad episode exclusive. I kind of fucked up the recording, so I'm going to have to kind of massage it a little bit. I'm so I'm still annoyed about that, that I did that. That's the only episode so far. I'm probably going to mess up more episodes now that I say, but that is the only episode so far that I messed up. Of course, the one with a guest that we wanted to get on. Great. So support us there if you can. If not, you listen to us on free feeds. That's perfectly fine. And we appreciate you there as well. Leave us nice reviews so we can find new audiences, whether it's on iTunes and elsewhere. And we'll see you next time for more knockback. We appreciate you. Thank you. Goodbye. Collins Last Stand Knockback is fan supported over at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. CJ Anderson, Morgan Ashley, Ethan Barbie, Sean Battershaw, Martin Beck, Fred Bentz, Michael Betts, Eric Bishop, David Blodel, Mark Boggio, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Lennon Brixey, Matthew Perso, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Alex Cabrera, Brian Cacciatolo, Will Caldwell, Luis Cancato, Patrick Carper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Travis Chandler, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Simon Conception Jr., Brad Cooley, Cutter Crow, Nick Cummings, Daniel Diamore, Daniel Delanikos, Mitchell Durkash, Martha Emery, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Stefano Fantana, Fodios Frank. Connor Gagian, Alexander Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem El Ghanem, Toothless Gibbon, Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Andres Guzman, Caleb Hager, Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Asa Haas, Azan Isa El Ricey, Josh Yeager, Justin Yeager, Greg Juleps, Anton Kay, Jeremy Key, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Christian Larson, Jackson Lastiqua, Donald Laws, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Ashlyn Lee, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Mark Liberto, Aaron Litwiller, Lewin Ray Loper, Colin Love, Josh M., Ryan T. Mann, Peter Mark, Nicholas Mask, Joe McPartland, Wyatt McVeigh, Dennis Meinshin, Andrew Mendoza, Christopher Middling, Albert Miranda, Patrick Malloy, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Brian Nietzsche, Josh Netzel, Adam Nix, George Anthony Nunez, Brian Ott, Israel Petrico, Jorge Palomino, Todd Paxton, Brendan Peavy, Marius S. Peterson, Enrique Perez, James Perone, Eric A. Peterson, Jason Pettit, Matthew Plaster, Lawrence F. Prokop, John Quinn, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Jonathan Rice, Toby D. Riebenschneider, Austin Riley, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, John Schultz, Chris Schaefer, Michael Shanholz, Toby Schu- Glendon Cole Simper, Joshua Smallwood, John Tabanillo, Ahmad Tamar, Joseph Thayer, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Tam Tran, Adam Van Curen, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Mike Wayne, Tyler Woodall, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zuniga, Casual Misfits Gaming, Supershot ST, Wyatt Henry, Throw7, Infinite, Mad Mock Media, Mubarak, Sticks and Crits, Richter86, That Rescue Guy, Andrew, Ian, Dav9834, Titus Rex, Donk2015, Gavin, and Random Guy Radio.